Joanna, would you come here a minute, please? Yeah. I'm sorry I was late. I was, uh, I was having lunch. And I, uh... We need to talk about your flare. Really? I, I have 15 pieces on. I, uh, well, okay, 15 is the minimum. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to just do the bare minimum or, uh... Well, like Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today, okay? Mm. A terrific smile. Okay, so you, you want me to wear more? <laughs> Look, Joanna, yeah. people can get a cheeseburger anywhere, okay? They come to tchotchkes for the atmosphere and the attitude. Okay, that's what the flair's about. It's about fun. Yeah. Okay, so more than, yeah? <laughs> Look, we want you to express yourself, okay? Now, if you feel that the bare minimum is enough, then okay. But some people choose to wear more, and we encourage that, okay? You do want to express yourself, don't you? Yeah. Okay, great, great. That's all I ask. Okay. minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this is the month of October in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk or this, my friends, my chums, me amigos, me compadres, my fellow travelers on this road of comedy. This is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. It is Tuesday and welcome to day 12. It is 503 You want to join us today? 503 7332970. Alright, there's a white speck on the counter, and I'm trying really hard not to be upset. Here's the thing about this countertop in here. On this countertop where we, where we do the show, some of these things are white specks that I can get rid of if I go over to sort of give them a good rubbing. Some of these things aren't specks, they're defects in the counter. And it's kind of like having a quarter glued to the street. Everybody comes along and tries to pick it up, but you can't. Occasionally, I see something on the counter here that looks like a white speck, and then I try to get rid of it, and then it can't be gotten rid of. And then I feel even crazier, sort of like in a Howard Hughes kind of a way. Oh, yeah, hold on. Oh, that was a speck. That totally, I was totally able to get rid of that one. All right. I thought I was speck hunting earlier, but I kind of missed a couple. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. You are insane, right? I appreciate your help. Thank you for your support, Sarah. That also, uh, that also appreciated. Nobody likes specs. Uh-huh. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, if you would like to uh, join us today on the telephone, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, I don't know. Today we'll make it another day where we endeavor to get all the calls within 10 minutes. Not to make it. Not one of those days where people are waiting for like 45 minutes. Uh, I'll try to get to all calls within uh, 10 minutes today. It's 503 733 970 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, if you'd like to email, you can do that as well. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, you can uh, also email Tim. It's tim at 970.am. Sarah at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Let me just, uh, I have the new issue, the Inquirer here in my hands. I'm just going to cut to the bottom of the, uh, 
cut to the cut to the chase on some of these things for you. Jamie Lynn Spears pregnant again. Guess who's the daddy this time? Casey Eldridge. And by the way, I'm also going to note here, if you look at the cover of the Inquirer and you see this story in the middle left, there's a thing about Courtney Cox's, uh, Cox's husband here. It was that David Arquette, right? Not the guy she's married to? So this is a pretty unflattering picture of Courtney Cox, and it's not made any better by this. Uh, so presumably the story's about him making time with some other woman. This is an unflattering headline. Courtney Cox's husband caught with beauty. I think sort of the reflexive implication of that statement is that Courtney Cox looks like a... Big stretch of bad road at this point, which is true, incidentally. Let's not have any illusions about that. <laughs> Courtney Cox's husband caught with woman of passively attractive nature. What a terrible thing to say, even for the Inquirer. All right. And they have this picture of Courtney Cox where she, I think she's, she just woke up in the morning. She's on the way to get her mail or something, and she's yawning. Anyway, by the way, can we all just say that David Arquette looks a lot like Todd Palin, who is a douchebag? All right. Anyway, all right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy today. Lisa Desjardins uh, joining us from the hill as we grind toward election two thousand eight, which is how many days? Three weeks? Twenty one days? Twenty days? Something? What is today? It's the, what is today? Today is the well. You were gone yesterday, so everything's all skewed in your brain. Really messed up. October fourteenth. Today is the fourteenth. A little over two weeks. So Halloween seventeen. 18, 19, 20, 20. So we're 21 days away, three weeks. No further damage can be done. Uh, are you just saying that, trying to make it happen? All right. Did you see that video that's going around this morning? And it, it appears to be real. I think Gawker had it today. Gawker's a word that makes your the uh, Gawker's a word that makes your mouth go all kinds of strange. Gawker. Uh, there was a video on Gawker today of a bunch of people who were standing outside of McCain and Palin rally. You know, and some jackass going down the line with a video camera talking to them. But boy, just a bigger group of mouth-breathing tool users you will never see. I mean, just, I mean, it just, it just makes you, it, I'm not even going to say it makes you weep for the future, because they're all like a thousand years old, but god damn, man. No, I saw some, it's scary. Jesus, I mean, you couldn't warm a glass of milk if you harnessed the brain power in that line. I'm not trying to say that if you support McCain or Palin, you're dumb. I'm saying the people in this line, they are not only dumb, they are goddamn stupid. Uh, so if you've seen that video, you know what I'm talking about. It's at Gawker this morning. I'll get it posted on my uh, my weblog later today. And, of course, every fifth person answers the question, why don't you like Obama? Uh, because, either because he's a te terrorist, T-E-R-I-S-T, or a uh, Muslim. A Muslim. Uh, oh, you, yeah, you must have seen those same interviews that I did. It's have, chilling. Have you seen the picture? Have you seen the interview with that guy? He's got a sign in front of his house that says, he says, Barack Obama is a Muslim. Yeah. M-U-S-L-I-N. Muslim, by the way, is a type of textile. Mus Muslim is a stretchy kind of cloth that they use in drama club. <laughs> Obama is a Muslim. I demand that you stop being an inexpensive and stretchable type of fabric right now, Barack Obama. You quit it. All right. I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to start spreading the rumor that Barack Obama, uh, Barack, Barack Obama, that Barack Obama is not Muslim, but is in fact cheesecloth. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City today. Nina Parker from TMZ.com. We have a clergy watch coming out today. Uh, we'll get to another installment of the greatest songs ever made. A uh, whole pile of stuff here to my right. Let's see, just all of this. Jesus, just stories cropping up faster than we can make fun of them. So we have a second story. Two days in a row now where we're beating the Maureen McCormick drum. And I always get her... What is it? You know, I, I didn't follow any news, and all of a sudden, I come back to civilization, everybody's talking about Maureen McCormick. Which is, A, a thing that I didn't really anticipate talking about this week, and B, it seems like it's about 12 years too late. I was talking to Timmy Ryan about this yesterday, because he, he couldn't wait to use the phrase crack whore in conjunction with Maureen McCormick or Marsha Brady. Um, 
I don't know. So I guess she was. I don't know. I guess she was pushing it on the corner for drug money. Uh, apparently, I guess. I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, all I really know about this. I am. I am the average American. All I know about this is the three sentences that I heard last night on uh, on CNN, and then what I heard Timmy Ryan saying yesterday. So that's it. Um, so we'll talk about it. She's got some new book coming out, though. I, I've seen her on TV begging for money for crippled children. Not crippled children, but poor children. Are you sure that's her? Yeah, it's her. It's not the... It's not what's her guts? Who's the, um... Who is the, the woman that was always doing the Sally Struthers. I thought Sally Struthers was the one who did the thing for poor kids. She's the new Sally Struthers. Really? This is with those grubby children with boogers hanging down to their knees. <laughs> that the assessment of CBS News? Won't you please give to grubby children covered in boogers? <laughs> CBS News exhorts you, guys are you to both help. Going to help. Tim said it. I'm just repeating it. You're I, repeating I've been it gone a few days, saying... so I have all this information backlog. You're still in vacation mode, Tim Riley. You know, uh, at least Tim Riley's back. It's not another day of Timmy Ryan. Um, I was uh, I was watching. It's funny you mentioned this actually. I was watching last night or maybe two nights ago. I was watching Anderson Cooper, and they were but they went to a commercial, and it was one of those. You know, like Christian charities for you know kids and some bearded guy. some far flung land or whatever. Well, but no, it was it was what it was Marsha Gay Harden, I think, uh, who was doing it. And it's interesting to see that, you know, we're now in 2008, but since 1985, just that one move they got for trying to get money for for poor children hasn't changed. It is it's always exactly they're probably using the same footage that they were using, in, you know, in 1985, where it is just uh, it is a picture of just a child looking sadly out a window. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, him just sort of it, with, with a big group of people in loincloths pushing a big rock, and it's well, but it's always the thing, you know, for just a cup of coffee a day, price of a cup of coffee a day, and that's the unit of measurement that they were using back in the '80s. Where can I get coffee at that price? And I that, want to move there immediately. That is still that. That's exactly the point I was going to make. They're still using that same unit of measurement. Because I remember Sissy, who always looked like she was about to break down into tears, and not about anything that was on the screen. When Sally Struthers would get on the screen and she would talk about raising money for the kids, you know, wherever they were in some poor community, kids that needed your cash to eat, Sally Struthers always seemed like she was about 15 seconds away from just an absolute and total mental collapse, but it never seemed related to what was going on the screen. It just seemed like she was crazy to begin with. And she was thinking about something that happened to her early that morning. It was trying to fight off just some absolute mental implosion uh, while she was, uh, you know, talking about the uh, talking about some kid that could eat for the cost of a cup of coffee a day. And I have exactly the same thought you did, which is you can no longer use that. A cup of coffee no longer costs 65 cents anywhere that doesn't rhyme with Salvation Army. So, in any event, what was my point? How did we get, how did we get from Marsha Brady to? I don't even understand. Oh, uh, because you were saying that Maureen McCormick does the thing about trying to raise money for the uh, for charities the or whatever. Disadvantage, yes. Yes, the yes. The poor unfortunate. Although having although having seen the, the most recent updates on those commercials, I still do have the same thought that Sam Kinison had all these years, which is you know you're right there. Why don't you feed him? You the camera you are three feet away. Why don't you are within arm's reach? Give him a sandwich, you bastard. Oh, all right. Time I send him anything, it's going to be rotten. Um, well, okay. Uh, so, Nita Parker joining us today. Steve Castamount, Lisa Desjardins, Clergy Watch, uh, greatest songs ever made. And we want to thank listener Sean. Thank you, Sean. Who was in yesterday to do his top five. A top five, by the way, which is one of the best we've ever had. Oh, I mean, really. Fantastic. Hands down. Yeah, one of the best top fives that has ever been broadcast uh, on uh, this frequency or any other frequency. And he brought in a series of gifts for us. Uh, he brought Sarah a bottle of what? A bottle of absinthe? 
Yes, a and bottle something of absinthe, else? and he made me a, a mixed CD. There you go, mixed CD and a bottle of absinthe, and he brought Tim a vintage print ad from the NME, which is a British music I think paper. you should tell the people what he gave you. I will. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get the bottom. Okay, that's uh, like, unreal. Uh, but he brought Tim a vintage ad for the Queen single, Fat Bottom Girls, backed with Bicycle Race. And the most outstanding thing about this is I didn't notice... It is from October 14th, 1978. Which is? 30 years ago today. Exactly. See? Wow. He knows what he's doing. That's cool. Yeah. So it was a double A-side single put out by Queen 30 years ago today. And listener Sean brought in a vintage ad from the uh, NME for that. So, uh, And I, I was sort of torn about whether to uh, whether to talk about this or not because I... Cause I there's just no other way to put it. I just don't feel worthy. I just it is. Uh, I I felt just so uh, humbled by the whole thing. But so Sean comes in yesterday. He counts down his top five. Uh, you know, Craig Gas was in the studio with us. And he was, you know, the, the busy, great, hectic, uh, sort of fly by the seat of our pants. Uh, wonderful, awful, uh, you know, terrible, uh, glorious day yesterday. But part of it was listener Sean counting down his top five teenage moping songs. And afterward. He had for us, as they used to say, some lovely parting gifts. And he had for Sarah this bottle of absinthe and a mixed CD. He had for you, Tim, he had this uh, vintage print ad from the NME for this Queen single. And then for me, and I mean, I can't even now, I can't even really believe this. He brought me one of Buster Bluth's prop hands from Arrested Development with like the actual 20th Century Fox certificate. Sort of showing that it is an actual prop from Arrested Development. It's unbelievable. Uh, so you, do, you took that home, right? It's not just sitting. in No, your... it's locked up in my office. But I, because I got to, I got to figure out where I'm going to put it. I, I, I have at home. I really have nowhere to put it right now. I have to find some place to. I have to find some place of honor, uh, some appropriate place to display it in my house. So it's locked up in my office right now. But it is actually one of Buster Bluth's prop rubber hands from Arrested Development. And it has, like, the little, whatever it is, the little notarized thing or whatever. This is, like, this is an you know an authentic prop from Arrested Development, whatever. So, uh, And I didn't mention it yesterday because it just, I don't know, because who am I? I'm just some guy. So uh, I'm not trying to be falsely humble about it, but I don't, I just sit and babble about crap for four hours. Who am I to deserve an Arrested Development hand? And I think Sarah would agree. So, uh, no, I think I deserve the rest of the ball. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's, I think, no, I think that's, that's awesome. There's nothing to be humble about. I mean, if someone wants to give you something, take it and be happy. That's awesome. I would put that on my... I would frame that in, like, a glass case and put it on my mantle. It's not that I don't dig it. I just sort of... It's not being offered to Joe Sixpack. I'm just, I'm just saying. I just sort of felt like, you know, you want to give this to somebody who deserves it. I... I'm just some guy, as Arthur Dent would say. Uh, all right. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Yeah, it's great to be back. I want to thank Timmy Ryan for filling in yesterday. I heard he did a fantastic job. I want to thank you for coming back. <laughs> he was a, No, he was good. We had to smack him around a little bit, a little bit in the first uh, hour. He was... Dump buttons like twice within five minutes. He, doesn't, he doesn't know how to use this filter. In the first hour, well, he, and he sort of forgets, and to be fair to Timmy Ryan, he does work in like a million different places. I mean, he works at, I think, at least three different radio stations here. Mm-hmm. He does the 70-second stuff. He does musicology. He does fill-in on this show. So I think occasionally he just forgets what mode he's supposed to be in. So, like, the first news story out of his mouth yesterday, we had to bleep because he hadn't even gotten 15 seconds into it, and he actually called for the public beating of somebody. He demanded that he demanded that somebody mention in the news story be, quote, taken out back and beaten senseless. And we had to remind him that that was, even by the admittedly lax standards of this program, that was not really proper newsman behavior. So, uh... So, anyway, I'm back, and things are going to get back to normal. Yes, or they are. Again. Oh, first, can I, can I give a shout-out to some of my peeps? In sure. L.A.? Why not? All right. Uh, I hope I didn't forget anyone. I Just a couple of people. Uh, 
Christina from the Disney Channel, Gina from Fox News, Hal Eisner, Jim Holkin from Fox 11, the best Botog in the world, Tom Parrish of CBS 2, uh, Kitty Oliver, Final Cut Editing Pro, and poor Tim Kiley, who's become my new friend. He, he's uh, from ABC and Palm Springs. All the pictures of Tim Kiley are now mislabeled Tim Riley. What were you doing in Los Angeles? Poking around. What? Because that was just an, no. it was an odd list. Wow. First thing out of your the first thing out of your mouth was Disney. Right. What does Tim Riley have to do with Disney? I once worked in that building. Really? Is this a thing that you can't speak any more of? Is this a thing that CBS Radio would not approve of you discussing? Is this a secret project that we would jinx if we discussed it? Okay, there you go. That's exactly. There you go. That's it. I figured it was one of those. All right. So there you go. Okay, that's fine. You know we don't. More than a secret project. Will you tell us? I don't want to tempt fate. No, no, no. I, I absolutely understand that. Okay, fair enough. All right. That's all I... Oh, I was here to give headlines, wasn't I? Uh, you could just go back to thanking people, if you like. All right. No, I or maybe just talk about your favorite color. No. Green. Oh, okay. The government will pour $250 billion into ailing banks to make them all better again. The owners of homes damaged by the house that slid down the hill have to clean up in the responsible court all by themselves. Really? Yes. Isn't that horrible? Senator Gordon Smith apologizes to Jeff Merkley for running the ad of him chewing the hot dog. Did he really apologize? He blames it on the party elite. Of course. Fat cats, Tim. That's who's to blame. Mm -hmm. Not Joe Sixpack. Freightliner will close its Portland plant in 2010, displacing 900 workers. Mm. Warner Brothers will release a new DVD version of Hanoi Hilton featuring an interview with John McCain after the election. And uh, the killer who claimed he was too fat to die from a lethal injection was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the photograph of that guy? Do you know the photo of the prisoner? Have you, you know you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that guy? Look at this guy. Have you seen this picture of him? Look at that. Isn't that the best thing you've ever seen? That looks like somebody we know. You should hand that to Sarah. Sarah, and then I'll give you the name so you can... Uh, look at that. But look at the photo of that guy. What kind of an expression is that? Crazy. Yeah. Those are, those are crazy eyes. All right. What is, uh, what is this guy's name? His name is um, Richard Cooey. C-O-O-E-Y. Richard Coey. Coey. Yeah, he thought he was too fat to die? Yeah, I'm too fat to die. Richard Coey. C-O-O-E-Y. Now look at this undated file photograph. It's a terrifying picture. Look, you know, I'm all, you know, I'm a big bleeding heart, and I'm, I'm opposed to capital punishment and all, but come on, what was this guy really doing? What was he hanging around for? To make the world a better place? Teach children to read? I don't think so. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, okay, we're already at like 25 after, so we'll get some phone calls here in a moment. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Hello. I was Henry Rollins last night. I didn't get to go. The truth? Yeah. I wasn't able to go. Lisa Wood was raving about it this morning. Long. Yeah. Well, he talks forever. I will never see him again. Yeah. He talks I, forever and ever and ever. Honestly, like, the self-deprecating, like, oh, I can never get... I, it just got old. Okay. He is making... Let me, let me preface this by saying he's making a difference. I was amazed by a lot of the stories they sing about the choices that he's made in his life. He seems like an amazing man. He also seems completely self-involved and he kept like being like oh woe is me oh no girl i sleep alone ha i can't get a girl to you know f me ha 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 and i'm just like really why don't you go back to your dressing room there ass and wait for all the girls who are gonna hop out of the show he was so annoying and i'm trapped in my seat and i can't leave and i'm sitting there listening to this guy babble on and on and on and on and on about she's talking about henry rollins by the way we should know maybe i'm letting out repressed i was just gonna say trapped in my seat and listening to some guy go on and on for hours on end shut up about 
about himself. And just, I, I understand, I, I saw how you appreciated the fact that he just goes out there and starts babbling. I just see him as a narcissistic ass that wouldn't shut up. You're, you're really, you're sure you're not misdirecting some of this anger? This isn't <laughs> no, projecting? No, no. It was him. I was just, and I, I really, like, about hour three, I really had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I was going to meet my friend for cocktails later. Right. Meanwhile, Henry Rollins, like, will not shut up. I tried about. to warn you. He talks endlessly. That's why I didn't go. I couldn't. You know what? I know. I'm glad that I went. I will never see, I'm, I'm saying it right now, we'll never see him again. Fair ever, enough. Ever. I, I, I enjoyed it. I laughed. His stories are very fun. But, I mean, at about two hours and yeah. 15 minutes, I'm just like... And even I was sitting next to uh, to Craig Gass. Right. He's just like, Jesus Christ. When when uh, Henry says it again, you know, like, oh, but you know, I can't get the ladies. And Craig is, I heard Craig go, oh, Jesus. And he, he knows him. Did he do that thing of, uh, and don't get me wrong, I love Rollins. I really do. And I love his spoken word. But he did he do that thing of, as it gets to be like three hours and 20 minutes, going, okay, now. Uh, uh, we're, we're rounding third. We're going down the home stretch. Oh. Bear with that, me. And then it went for 45 yeah. more minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, that was so mean. That's and then a he, lie. When he then, says he's rounding the third base, that's never true, by the way, with Rollins. Oh, and then he ended on like a really angry, he talked about like, I don't know, like people being tortured and finding piles of bones and then, you know, F the world, our politics are crap at the end. I'm Let's like, get a cocktail. I'm like, wow. This yeah. Awesome. All right, then. So anyway, that so was, yeah, it was nice. No, I, this is in no way directed toward you. No, it's just, he just would not stop. And well, he's not for everybody. I mean. And the, then the angry yelling and, like, the the, sh, like the the fake sheepishness, and then all of a sudden he would go into, like, an angry tirade. It just really started to grate on me. Fair enough. I, I will tell you that when I, that Lara has gone to see him, I think, twice with me, and each time, Lara, I think, not necessarily because of content, because of length, each time Lara's been like, I can't do this, and I can't go again. Because, because she starts looking at her watch at two hours and 30 minutes. She's like, i got to get up. It's fine. That's why she didn't go last night. Mm. Um, I, so I had a pair of tickets. Lara and I were supposed to go see Rollins last night. And then I, uh, I got, long story short, I just, uh, I had this, I had this, this side project that some of you know about that I've, I've talked about on my blog. Yeah, perhaps my friend Is that something that might be talked about? I don't want to jinx it, Tim. Don't bring it up. Give some people you like to thank. For. By the way, I want to thank Brian Grazier at Imagine Entertainment, and I want to thank Mike DeLuca at uh, New Line Pictures. Uh, oh, and by the way, and Babs at uh, Craft Services. You are the bee's knees. All right, okay. Don't you go changing. Uh, no, I had to, I had to do this thing this morning, which isn't going to air for a while. But um, but I but I had to. I was supposed to work on it Sunday night and get the kind of the script part of it done, and I didn't. And last night at around seven o'clock, I was like, you know what? If I go to see Henry Rollins, I'm going to get home at midnight. I'm going to be writing till 3 a.m. smart because you would have. I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and I'm going to be in the worst mood of my life. So, and then Lara had to work this morning too. So sadly, the tickets went unused, which is unfortunate. But uh, all right, well, not even. It's fine. He had enough content to spread it around. <laughs> well, and don't get me wrong. And I and I really do love Henry. And I do. I and I totally see the things you are saying that he does have the. He does play the I'm really not rich and famous, you know, uh, card. Was, yeah, the, the you know. every man. And, like, just, I think just the him pretending that he's not going to get laid after the show just really grated on me. I'm I, just staying at the Heathman. It's no big deal. I, I do see what you're talking about there. Um... That said, I mean, I I do his content is great, and I do. I, I and mean, he I, is obviously he is honestly trying to make a difference in the world. Like I see that in him. And he just makes me feel like such a poser because he gets up there and he goes for three and a half hours without stopping. And meanwhile, you know, like I, I, got, see, I, I see I see that you see that as a positive thing. But I think that any narcissist with enough, you know, with a microphone and enough caffeine can go on and on about themselves for four hours. <laughs> it's not you. Whatever. Oh my God! Uh -oh. I'm not. I'm not directing it toward you. You know. You know. He didn't go for three hours. I heard it was three. Yet somehow, when you complain, it turns into four hours. 
Whatever. Maybe All I right. shouldn't have come back. So uh-huh. Oh my gosh. All right. No, this is this is backfiring on me bad. Well, in any event. Well, I'm glad you went though, so at least you can say you've seen him. I mean, it was a, he's a thing everybody should see. I I'm very very glad that I went to see him. Although, uh, yeah. Uh, here's some stuff we didn't get to yesterday. We didn't get to talk to Richie about his audition for this uh, cabaret drag queen comedy troupe. And by the way, I haven't seen any of the photos, and I guess they're around. He has an album of Rochelle photos on my face. Tim, have you seen them? She's lovely. I haven't seen any of them, so we'll do that later on. She has arms like salamis. <laughs> Excellent. Just for all um, the boys. I, I, we have a little bit of a Halloween announcement we're going to make here. Um, Jesus, what else? Uh, let's get the hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Save me. Hello. Oh, this is Scott. Hello. Oh. Hi. Yes. Hey, uh, am I on? Yes. Hello. It's you, sir. Uh, I just want to just tell you that uh, I'm a second time caller, long time listener. Excellent. Thank you. Really, I was always real ticked off when you left before, and uh, obviously, you guys are a trio of talent. I'm a 59 year old, but I I think I learn something every day. And by, and, and by learn something, do you mean gain some bit of unimportant, useless, pointless knowledge that only we possess for some reason? Well, it, just brilliant wit, you know, the the trio of you. Well, thank yeah, you, sir. A, a really good example was you were talking to um, Dorothy Cassisari, uh, the, the uh, National Enquirer. Yes. And you described so brilliantly about, you went on about this jet was sitting out on the runway and, <laughs> and that whole thing. Um then, then you went to you know baby daddy, um, the boyfriend. You went from zero to Mer- Jesus Mary, and <laughs> well, it's what we do, sir. We uh... and then right, right off, Tim's. You were talking about uh, plastic bags, and Tim comes in there and says, "Isn't that great toys?" <laughs> and well, it's all worth it today just to hear Richie described as having arms like salami, sir. That's the uh, <laughs> yes, that did sort of gold too. we mine here every day. Well, thank you, my friend. Are you spreading the word. I am spreading the word. All right, you call us anytime. Thank you for listening. Thank you. All right, thank you. There you go. I don't know. Thank you. All right. Uh, we'll have time to do this uh, Halloween thing. So we come back, we'll talk a bit about Halloween uh, and so forth. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Uh, Steve Casterman coming up later on. Tina, and and uh, Nina Parker from TMZ. And, of course, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, who even now is further sharpening his hate. Uh, stay there. We return next. I'm going You close the door. It's just a door. Jesus. Pack of lunatics around here. Hey, so Sarah Wagner came in during the break. I was talking about, and I'm not asking what you were talking about, but it was that thing where I went to the kitchen and then I came back and Sarah Wagner was in here and you guys were, really? And then I just, I didn't think that, and then you both looked at me and the conversation stopped and I realized it wasn't over, so I left for another 30 seconds and then came back. And then Sarah Wagner just spent what seemed like about five minutes trying to close the door to the studio just now. Uh, some things are harder for some than others. That is true. It's five zero three seven three three two. If you give her enough caffeine, though, she'll be able to. Uh, <laughs> Shut up. Be able to do anything. Yeah. Oh my God, I know, but in mouth. <laughs> I did not mean to say four hours. I meant to say three hours. And with caffeine, I meant to say caffeine. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up, uh, more of your phone calls later on. Lisa Desjardins, uh, and by later on, I mean now. Welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson program. Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you guys? Uh, we're a little discombobulated, I think. The first segment of the show was a bit off kilter. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, well, that makes one of us. The uh, because I think. Uh, 
I'm very comfortable with that. I'm very comfortable with the off kilter today. Tim was uh, Tim was gone yesterday. Tim Riley was in uh, Los Angeles yesterday. Oh. So okay. he came back. So yesterday we had, uh, you know, uh, Timmy Ryan was filling in. So our, everything is sort of off in our head because it seems like Monday because it's the first day Timmy's here, but it's really Tuesday. And then Tim is still a little bit in vacation mode as evidenced by his wildly inappropriate comments uh, about any number of charities, uh, like, like right at the outset of the show. And then... Uh, and then the rest of the opening segment just devolved into misunderstandings, recriminations, and misunderstandings. Uh, lo- loathing. So, <laughs> well, and now, wow, it just escalated really quickly from yeah. misunderstanding to loathing. That's okay. Within I've, the space of a word. You know, I've embraced it. Um, oh, hey, by the way, uh, so uh, if you could just uh, tolerate this for Wait, one are moment. are you loathing me? What? Are you loathing me? No. Or is Tim just loathing the sick children? I didn't say that. You said that. Loathing, apparently. I never made that observation. No, that I made is, a, your I made assessment. A slip. Of, I slipped. It's a long story. Yeah. We uh, we shouldn't. Uh, by the way, though, uh, real quickly, if you will indulge me for just one moment, I wanted to. I teased this, and then I wanted to actually mention it before I sort of forgot about it because I uh, it left my own devices. I just I follow through on almost nothing on this list. So coming up Friday, October thirty first, because Halloween is on a Friday this year, is it not? Yes. Yes. So coming up Friday, October thirty first, uh, this station, AM nine seventy, the talker, home of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, we are going to be at the Rocky Horror Picture Show midnight screening at the Clinton Street Theater, which is, by the way, America's longest-running Rocky Horror Picture Show. What? Um, so this uh, coming Halloween, Friday, October 31st, uh, we're going to be uh, doing a little appearance there at the midnight screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Clinton Street Theater on Clinton Street, uh, right here in Portland, right? Now. So we'll have more about that later on. Dress up? Are you going to be a character? No, no, I will not. Oh. But here's, but here's, now, have you gone to this? I've no, I'm I'm embarrassed. I now, haven't. If I may just be indelicate for a moment, you've got, you have a uh, you have a brother who is the gay, is he not? He is. How is it he that is. you've never gone to the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah, you know he he may kind of almost predate that. I'm not sure. I'm I'm just saying. I mean, to drag your family into it, it seems like a thing that you would have done at some point. Yeah, you know, it really is actually my like the uh, my gay friends of my own age that I think should have should have that were responsible for getting me there. Well, you got Although, it. You know, really, it wasn't. I wasn't. I don't think of it as a gay thing. I think of it as just kind of like it's a theater nerd thing, I yeah, guess, more specifically. But it is. I mean, but there does uh, there does tend to be a large gay contingent in a lot of those things, at least in my experience, because it is you know because it's so. You know, because it's a musical and it's so theatrical and it's so over the top and it's so flamboyant. That being said, it does draw deep from the pool of drama nerds. I mean, really, just that's, that's who I and that's why I can't believe that I haven't gone. Just, and, that, and that's and that's of course why I know about it. Just drama geeks, just just fr- from across the fruited plain. I mean, like straight from huffing paint thinner in the art supplies closet. I mean, to there. But no, you got to see it. It's part of than the math geeks, even the drama geeks. Drama I, nerds. Both. Nobody nerds like a drama nerd, sister. Yeah. Um, and really, it is part of the American experience. You have to at some point see a live showing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You just have to. It's a, you, you're a bad American. I know I am a bad American. So, I know it doesn't count that I've seen Fame like three times. No, no, uh, that does not count. I know. I that's know. like that's like saying that you. It's sort of like seeing some guy sing Edelweiss at a sausage festival. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's not the same thing. And I keep trying to get Sarah to go because Sarah's such a big fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show and of the Tim Curry character and of men who do cross-dressing well. And if, Can I say that you're a fan of transvestism? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like Tim Curry and Eddie Izzard and the whole bunch. Yeah, You, you exactly. have to go. And really, and Halloween is the best night to do it because that's the, the biggest the Rocky is, Horror showing every year. I can't go because I am, in fact, dressing as Tim Curry from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. What better event? Because No, because... In the, With your own kind. 
No, because it's it's good when it's distanced, but I don't want to because I can't dress up like that with all the hardcore people. I'm I'm no, that's ex- I, I'm with I I gotta say I'm with Rick on this, Sarah. That's when you go. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it'll be like a you know it is it'll be like a, that uh, Halloween when ET can sort of go out uh, be and you know nobody pays him any you know no never mind because everybody looks weird that night. You <laughs> blend right in, unless that's not what you're looking for, unless you're looking to stand out. So. I'm just saying perhaps it's it's part of being a good American. You got to do it at least once in your life. Well, perhaps. So. <laughs> well, maybe Sarah, you should just say that that you were there, <laughs> whether you go or not. I guess that's there true. I mean, <laughs> really, how will anybody be able to tell? I mean, right. yeah. I know being a woman dressed as a man dressed as a woman. I think yeah, that's yeah. be able to pass this up. Could be anybody. Uh, all right. Um, well, okay. I'll... So and also, the, was there an email yesterday? Speaking of follow-ups. No. At the end of the show. What do you mean? I don't know. I feel like I, yesterday we ran out of time. And there was something that you want that was going to happen. Well, we're trying to figure out when you're going to come on and do your top five. Oh yes, yeah. Okay, we got to figure that out. So um, and that's up to you. I mean, look, you got a busier schedule than we do. I I, mean, how about if I get you the list tonight or tomorrow? Okay. And then however much time you guys need to uh, get the songs going. Uh, well, let's just. Uh, do you want to do it Friday? Okay, let's do it Friday. It's All a right, date. We'll do it Friday. Hold on. Uh, Friday. Top five. Don't mind us, Lisa. All right, no, no, no. This is the, people have been asking. They've been clamoring. Oh come on! Uh, now, now, look what I wouldn't say I mean, that if it wasn't it's true. Really, it's going to be super. But that's Halloween. I don't know if you want to do that on that. You guys. It's not Halloween. This Friday <laughs> is the seventeenth. <laughs> I'm, I'm a mess. Let's all okay. stay on the Gregorian calendar, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Okay then. Yeah. Well, this has been a productive segment. Uh, so do you have to? You don't have to skedaddle or anything. You got a few minutes? Um, just a couple. I, I do have to scoot probably in like. Three or four minutes. All right, so uh, I don't even know where to begin today. So, so what are the broad strokes of the American experience today, Lisa Desjardins? Wow, geez. Uh, well, pull up a stool, Rick. Uh, no, I, I think we're still dealing with the economy. Treasury is now – What's ama- I think we're at this point with all of these rescue plans that the news of the day is, is it's getting a little bit annoying because – it's stuff that everyone thought didn't. Aren't we already doing that? So did, the did, news of today. Did Barack Obama make some? Make some I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt. But did okay, Barack, yeah, did that. Barack Obama make some insane statement about how he was going to stop foreclosures for 90 days? Barack Obama is now proposing a 90-day freeze on foreclosures. That's right. What is the point of that? I mean, apart from winning elections. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't afford it now. You're not going to be able to afford it in 90 days. I, I mean, did, I, no one is going to magic unless you win the lottery. Unless your ass gets, uh, you know, rich with the Powerball, you you will not be able to afford in 90 days what you cannot afford now. Well, I think I'm just going to guess here. I know some some of the argument that he's making, and he's pointing to two cases, and it's a little bit different. First of all, this is a problem for Barack Obama because he railed against Hillary Clinton for proposing the same thing in the primaries. However, he is saying that the economic situation has – it's much worse now. Uh, it's much more critical to, and this is one of the main rationales here, to really bolster confidence. And he, what he's saying is that there is essentially a panic on, in the underlying markets and that because of that, people are foreclosing closing more quickly than they should be, that they're not giving uh, people at risk for foreclosure a chance to refinance because there's not credit out there. There's not, there's not the loans out there for them to refinance to. So he, he's saying what's happening is it's, you know, the, the thread on the sweater that you're, you're just pulling and, and there may be no thread left yet. Does, well, you know a lot about the economics. Does refinancing really seem, I mean, is that going to help at this point or is that just, again, is it just more? No, it does help. It does help and it helps both sides because what happened is um, both the banks and a lot of the homeowners um, got in 
above their heads. And they and oftentimes they knew it. Now, some homeowners can say they, they didn't really understand or some owners actually were swindled, but, but I think they're, those are the, that's the smallest group of all. They're the ones you talk about the most, but it's a very small group. Most people knew what they were getting into and were banking on the fact that their home value would go up uh, before their loan reset. Well, that didn't happen. Home values didn't go up. So here the banks are with a, a $500,000 loan, let's say, I'm just picking a random number, that they made for some mega house outside of Washington, uh, and the homeowner can't afford it right now. So if they foreclose, they would sell that house, let's say even for 300000 That's a huge loss to the bank. So it's in the bank's interest to try and renegotiate that, uh, maybe even down to, you know, 400000 450 whatever, uh, so that those monthly payments are something the homeowner can afford, and they get more money than they would if they just sold it outright. And, in fact, houses aren't really selling right now. You can get some good foreclosure deals, but it, it is in everybody's interest if you can strike a good renegotiated loan. And so that's what Barack Obama is kind of saying. Now, it remains to be seen if that's true, if a 90-day moratorium on foreclosures really works. His other argument, and, and we've seen this in some places, I believe oh, I, I believe it is one of the city officials, perhaps even in Chicago, and I need to look this up, um, who has said they are no longer going to enforce foreclosures. They're right, no longer right. going to pick people up because what's happened is the actual homeowner, um, is, especially in apartment buildings, um, is not telling the tenants. They're taking all the rent from the tenants, and the tenants are the ones that are getting kicked out. So what Obama is saying is this has gone too far now, and people who have nothing to do, who don't even own the property, are the ones suffering from foreclosure. And so on the other side of this, you've got John McCain who said something this morning. He's going to what? He's going to guarantee banks or savings or something for six months? Yes. So this is uh, are these guys putting out these plans? These competing? Not competing, but you know these sort of they are competing. That's right. But I mean at the same time, each of them hoping that this will be the concrete, finite nuts and bolts thing that will put them over the top with the American voter who's worried about his pocketbook. You know, I think different rationales. That is the case with McCain. McCain needs something that gets attention, that makes him look like the better leader, especially on the economy, because that's where he's losing all the points. He really needs um, a big, you know, 70-yard pass here. Barack Obama, on the other hand, is playing defense. He just doesn't want to be seen as, I, I got nothing. You know, like John McCain's coming out with proposal YZ. Barack Obama wants to keep right in step with John McCain. That's, that's my reading of this. The Obama people would say, oh, no, he genuinely believes this. The McCain people would say the same thing. But I, I think this is just a, a big pass, a big attempt at, you know, huge yardage for McCain. And I know you're not the football guy, so sorry about that. That's okay. Okay. And then it's just an attempt to just keep toe to toe, keep winding down the clock for Barack Obama. All right, then. I know you, uh, you got to run. So uh, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll be more productive tomorrow. What you will who who will be more productive tomorrow in the debate? Uh, no, no, no. I this program will be more productive. In oh. other words, I won't fritter away nine minutes talking about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh no! And uh, so well, obviously, forth. both Sarah and I, uh, you know, perhaps needed it. Are you on? Uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes, I should be here all week. All right, great. We will talk to you then. Have a good day. Okay, great. There you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody's crazy today. Everybody is crazy. Jesus, I Even it was Sarah, just... like usually call him Sarah Wagner's kind of crazy. Uh, Sarah Wagner and Lisa seems a little crazy. Tim seems a little crazy. I think it's just you and I who uh, have a stranglehold Richie on our sanity. seems pretty normal today too. Really? That's just because he's he's quitting smoking and he has no energy at all. He's and now he... gone from being angry, Richard, to just being lethargic, Richie. And he has a newfound love of makeup. And That's, ladies' clothing. Does he? Did you see this email from Seamus? I've easily been to a hundred showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Clinton Street Theater, uh, including a girlfriend who stripped naked and ran out of the theater down the street to the car afterward. I'm a big, fat, anti-social jerk, and I had an awesome time my first time. 
uh, Halloween is the best time to see it of all. So, all right. Just go, don't go, but it is part. Of, at some point, you got to do it. It's uh, it is part of the. I remember years ago, yeah, Clyde, yeah, Clyde, you've been working on this for like years on me, and like Clyde, I remember when we used to work with him, he'd always be like, oh, yeah. he used to go every Saturday night. I think he took Lara one time because I, I either didn't want to go or I was not able to go or whatever, and so uh, he took because she'd never been to see it either. Uh, let's see, here we go. The, uh, our friend Brent from the Muddy River Nightmare Band says, Rick. I think you might find this kind of funny. Back in my much, much thinner days, I was the original Rocky in the Clinton Street Theater Cabaret. Uh, in Brent? Yeah, in 1986. We were the first organized group of actors at the Clinton Street Theater. There you go. So it's, it's a weird thing. It, it, they're, they've tried over the years to have other, to have other movies or other things, uh, as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, of that nature. You know, that sort of mind the same, you know, mind the same sort of territory or whatever to mind the same. What am I looking for? My, you know, they've tried to duplicate the Rocky Horror Picture, that that sort of cult phenomenon with other things. But it's like by definition, you can't duplicate it because it was just this thing that happened. No one planned it. No one. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't organized in any way. Like this whole sort of second and third and fourth and fifth generation that sprung up around the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was a huge failure when it came out of the movie. Just it was a disaster. It was a bomb. Um, you know, but then they started showing it. You know, they started doing midnight showings of it in New York and Times Square. It's one of those seedy theaters, those grindhouse theaters. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'll hear the people who were involved with, you know, the original you know, film, and they'll say that they started getting these reports that people were talking back to the screen and people were saying things, and it just happened. It was just this thing that coalesced very naturally uh and so it is and so while there's a lot of different showings of it and every city kind of has their place that does the rocky horror show it was that movie is nothing you can you can't duplicate that with any other film no matter how much people have sort of tried to do it so anyway there you go um well let's do did you know uh, that they're trying they're remaking rocky horror too yeah no we had that sort of the mtv uh mtv's production company saying was a terrible yeah. idea it's going to um, be horrible. Well, but it'll be forgotten. That's the good news. It'll come out. They'll push it real hard for six months. They will try to create midnight showings to sort of falsely generate this same kind of groundswell of enthusiasm. It won't work. And it'll, you know, it'll vanish. And then, you know, we'll go back to like in the original. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, good afternoon. What's up? Um, first, I want to congratulate you. If you take away the commercials and the interview with Lisa, uh, yes, you did answer my call within 10 minutes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and Lisa made a comment, which I thought was kind of funny, and I was hoping to get her beforehand. But they were talking about the McCain rallies, and there was a cameraman, apparently, who was uh, African-American, yeah. and they were yelling uh, racial epithets. There was a, yeah, there was a CNN camera guy. There was a black guy who was a CNN uh, camera person. And at some point, somebody in the crowd yelled a racial slur, followed by, if I'm remembering the story correctly, and this is this is the person in the crowd saying this, they, it was a slur followed by saying, I think the quote was, sit down, boy, end quote. Yeah. That, was the, uh, that was the quote, yeah. Okay. I, th- I found it funny when I was listening to Lisa yesterday when she kind of stopped herself and says, oh, I think I may know who that, that guy is. I'll have to give him a call. To me, implying there's only one. There's only one black camera. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I think she was sure. I think she was put in together because obviously those guys, you know, everybody gets detailed to certain beats. You know what I mean? There's the people who are embedded with the McCain campaign. There are people who are embedded in certain areas with the Obama campaign and in certain regions. So I think she was probably put in together CNN camera guy. Uh, the people she knows, where it happened, when it happened, and the McCain campaign, and then from that, narrowed it down to a list of possible suspects. That would be oh. my read, sir. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Just wanted All to right. make sure. All right. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Move on from that. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 
Uh, all right, well, let's take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, still in vacation mode, but amusing and hateful nonetheless. Coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Nina Parker from TMZ, Clergy Watch, the greatest songs ever made, more of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's something no one cares about. Lisa Marie Presley's having twins. You don't care? I don't care. That's the kind of grosses me out. It really does. Yeah. Weird looking. You know what it is? I don't care what you do to that girl. I don't care. I don't even know how old she is. Didn't she have a singing career at one point, too? Wasn't she a country singer a couple years ago? I mean, who could feel so passionate about her at this point that they failed to use protection? <laughs> I'm so glad you're back, Tim Riley. Um, I guess my observation wasn't really going to be of a contraceptive nature. It was just, like, I don't care what you do to Lisa Marie Presley. I look at her, and all I can picture is Michael Jackson's germs all over that mouth of hers. Ooh, and she just looks all reverie and gross. That's what I'm saying. It's just a picture of just Michael Jackson and just his weird... And that was like that was after he his face had gone all, um, like, it, it was rubbery and sort of stretchy. And, like, and it's like he's, he's, he had those, like... It's like he lost all the muscle control in his face. I guess what he probably did, maybe because of the plastic surgery. And so he just kind of had that. He kind of had that slack mouth, uh, fish lip thing going on. Where he was when they were doing that kiss of just kind of a. And it wasn't really a kiss so much as it was like he was just sort of like putting his mouth over hers, and then they were sort of like moving their heads around. And I just I can't get. Plus, past you have that. that Elvis the pelvis mouth. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, let's see. Uh, here, who else don't we care about today? Star Jones. God, she looks terrible. I mean, she's here's the thing about Star Jones is that it's like that thing at the Breakfast Club when John Bender says, there are fat people who were born to be fat, and then there's fat people who were once thin and became fat. She is the opposite. She is a fat person who is trying to be thin, and it's not working. And you will say this about almost nobody, Star Jones. This is a thing you'll say about almost nobody, but it's true of her. You looked better fat. There's no getting around it, Star Jones. You look... First of all, she's got these big-ass bags under her eyes that never go away, ever. Also, her head is way bigger than the rest of her body. I mean, her head is, she's like some, her head is huge. She's got this big, weird E.T. neck. Large portions of her front side seem to be going uh, south of the equator. And I, I don't know. And she's got, I mean, really, she's got hips that could, that could block even the widest of doorways at this point. I mean, she looks bad. So, anyway, Star Jones, I don't even care enough. It's her bitching about the, her bitching about the people on The View. But uh, even as I open my mouth, I realize I don't care enough to talk about it. Uh, let's see. Do we have anything else here before we, um, before we move into the uh, news segment of today's program? No, probably not. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth... This is Tim Riley. So back in the news today are the people whose homes were damaged from that house they fell out the side of the hill last right. last week. So we re- re- revisit that because the city is telling these homeowners that they are responsible to clean up this mess. Now, why would the insurance company be responsible for cleaning it? That is a good question. Uh, city officials say they're doing everything in their power to help them clean up the mess. They said they don't think any homeowners on the hill will have to pay a fine. But many people who lived on uh, near the slide say it's overwhelming. So uh, some owners say they believe their insurance companies will cover them, but they won't know till later 
this week because they always try to weasel out of things like totally. this. So wait, now this have, isn't something that happens every day, but the city is not going to pick up the tab for this. Now, have they determined exactly what caused this to happen? No, they have not. All right. So this is so, and probably the way it works is until they figure out what caused it to happen, the insurance company's position is that they are going to wait and see, and so therefore, in the meantime, they do nothing. Right. So last week, these homeowners received a notice from the city saying the folks affected are responsible for hiring demolition workers and geotech engineers. A lot of people don't know what that means. Geotech engineer. Are they in the yellow pages? I don't know. I don't even I wouldn't even know. I don't even know what job that is. The notice included this announcement. This structure may not be occupied until all repairs are made. (laughs) This pile of sticks may not be lived in. This, and a certificate of completion has been obtained from the Department of Development Services. Is he the twigs in the rubble? With their hands out to be handed a check. Oh, time to Failure to follow this rule and give all these people palm greasers. I was just going to say. A $1,000 penalty and possible. It says here, vacation of the property. Will the property go on vacation? That can't be the proper wording. Time to grease up the appropriate hands and orifices, Tim. Mm-hmm. Jesus. All right. So uh, I guess it is shocking and upsetting for everybody involved. This mound of stones and twigs may not be lived in until suitable arrangements have been made. Jesus. All right. Then a 53-year-old Beaverton woman is free on bail today after being charged with raping a 15-year-old boy. Sue Close was arraigned in Classic County on charges of rape sodomy and unlawfully delivering prescription medications to a minor. The DA said the rape happened earlier this year but gave no details. That's interesting. Uh, the town of Falmouth is moving forward. They're killing turkeys. The city council of Falmouth will seek a permit to kill 10 wild turkeys at the west end of town. About 20 of the big birds fed by some residents have prompted nuisance complaints where they have uh, scratched or torn up roads and roofs, awakening residents and defecating on lawns and decks. What kind of turkeys are we talking about that they can tear up roads? <laughs> what are the roads made of in oh, that town? <laughs> these are, I'm sorry, they are roofs. They're, tearing, they're not road-killing wait, wait, turkeys, no. they're killing roofs. Well, that doesn't make any sense either. How's a turkey getting on the roof? It flies. It has that, wings. Yeah, that's a lie. That's a lie. You're thinking of the WKRP oh, episode. No, 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 no. Okay. Everybody stop. We had this discussion about chickens at one point. This is a separate discussion. Don't go thinking we've already had this talk, because we haven't. We had this talk about chickens, not about turkeys. Two different I remember birds. Thanksgiving like five years ago we had this talk, but I don't remember the answer. I, I hope this isn't too technical, because this is the first thing we've all been back together. All right. Turkeys cannot fly. I don't believe. If you drop a turkey from a high altitude... It hits the ground like a sack of wet cement, Tim. And where did we learn that? WKRP in Cincinnati. Uh, remind me to play that uh, as we get closer to Thanksgiving. Hey, we'll do this as a show open. So, But is this a thing like chickens where they clip their wings because in their natural... St- in other words, it, can a turkey in the wild fly? Is it able to fly? You never... But that's impossible. When is the last time... Ever, Why ever do they give turkeys wings if they're not expected to fly. But, but that doesn't. But that's that's proof of nothing. Ostriches can't fly. Ostriches have wings, can't fly. Yeah, that's right. I brought ostriches into this. Uh huh. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going home. I'm very upset. I'm just saying. When is the last time ever that you looked up in the sky and said, "Well, don't you look at that turkeys heading south for the winter"? Never, because you've never turkey seen turkeys buzzards. fly because they don't. What is a turkey buzzard? It is a turkey buzzard. It is a breed of bird. It flies. Is it is a turkey buzzard more buzzard or turkey? Because a buzzard is, in fact, a, a separate type of bird, is it not? It belongs to the buzzard family. <laughs> Isn't a buzzard that thing... Is a buzzard that thing in the Warner Brothers cartoon? It's the thing that eats, like... But it's dopey? Purposes. 
No, no, no. That's you're thinking of a vulture. A vulture it could have been a very popular a character if it was in a Disney. Do you oh, remember fine. the name? Of, do you remember the name of that uh, that buzzard in the Warner Brothers cartoons? It was always it a big floppy beak. Yeah, and it was always talking like this, and it had the big curvy neck, and it was always and it was it seemed like really asleep or drunk part of the time. He must have had under a, five lines. I don't remember. I thought there was a crow. Okay, you're just you just said that to be difficult. No, that is just I, you intentionally no, trying no, to make this of, more um, complicated. No good. Now I can step on. Drinky the Crow. <laughs> Whatever this. I think I think you're the one who's Drinky the Crow, Sarah. Oh, wait, we're so <laughs> Seriously, that only applies to one of us here today. Thanks so no, much. No, it is a it is a, a cartoon. Drinky the Crow. <laughs> is this a children's character? I think it's in the Mercury. Hi, mom. I'm gonna go home and watch Drinky the Crow. Okay. I've seen people in Southeast like have Drinky the Crow. I'm, okay. <laughs> drinky the Crow is made up. That's like when you call somebody like um. Yeah, like Boobs McGee or something. Or what did you Crow. What did you write here on the refrigerator in the studio? Thiefy McGee to the, to the Viso Steeler. Sarah wrote this note ending in, get out of here, Thiefy McGee. That's what Drinky the Crow no, sounds like. it exists. It's the cartoon, I believe, in the Mercury. Yes, Drinky the Crow. I'm okay, but not an actual, I mean, that's like a fake, that's like a Mercury cartoon. That's not like Thiefy, a cartoon for no, children. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, a comic. It's a well-known comic. It's not just a Mercury exclusive one. Have you seen it? Yeah, you've seen it, like, with the... Crow with the bottle tilted back, and it has three X's on the side of it. I know you've seen it. But that's not a thing that they were showing on Saturday mornings to children, in other words. No, oh, but it is a cartoon. That's what I just hey, but, you know, while we're talking about that, Tim, do you remember this character? Do you remember the drunken stork in the Warner Brothers cartoons? The drunken stork? The drunken stork that was always delivering the wrong baby. Yes, yes, I remember that one. And it, he, at one point, he delivered, I believe, Bugs Bunny to a family of gorillas. Mm-hmm. And then there was another episode where he delivered a... Uh... Drinky the Crow. <laughs> okay, that's funny. And there was an episode where he delivered a giant baby to a normal-sized family. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And I don't know that they show that anymore. I think that must have been one of those ones that got PC'd out of existence. Because he was a, he was a stork who was in charge of delivering babies from heaven. And, but he was always drunk, and he was always like, I don't know where this baby's supposed to go. <laughs> and then he would just drop off Bugs Bunny with, like, the gorilla family uh, or whatever. And then, like, the dad gorilla would always... And now that I think about it, there was a weird sort of societal subtext to that because the implication was always that the mom had been cheating on the dad. Wait, so what... Wait, hold on. i got to pull up a chair for a second. Okay. We're in my wheelhouse now, baby. All right, so... Uh, We'll be back later to finish the turkey story already in progress. (laughs) No, I'm going to finish this this thought, then we'll resolve the turkey business. Are you talking about the drunk baby deliverer? The stork? (laughs) Yes. What's that, crow? Um... There was this old Warner Brothers character, and he was a drunken stork. And, the, you know, the stork that delivers babies. And the thing is, the, the setup was always exactly the same. He was drunk, and he would deliver the wrong baby to the wrong house. So they would be up in heaven, I think, and there would be like this assembly line. And the storks would come by with their little delivery man cap on. The storks would pick up the baby, and they would fly off. And it would be like, normal stork, baby, gone. Normal stork, baby, gone. And then this guy would come and go, I'm here for the baby. You know, and he would pick up the baby and fly off, but because he was a lush, he would deliver the baby to the wrong house. And there were two that I remember. One is where he delivers a giant baby uh, to a normal-sized family, and he delivers the normal-sized baby to a family of giants. And there's this funny shot where the giant is like, he's got a jeweler's eyeglass in, and he's trying to change the baby's diaper, but it's all like microscopic because he's a giant, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But the other one was where he delivers Bugs Bunny to, I believe, a family of gorillas. And the... Dad, the male gorilla, basically the entire cartoon is the male gorilla trying to kill the baby, trying to kill bugs, 
while the female gorilla keeps defending him. And now that I think back on that, that's a weird little between-the-lines thing there. That's a little that's a little interesting double entendre, because obviously the implication is that the mom cheated on the dad, and that's why the dad hates the baby. Because the baby is Bugs Bunny, obviously. That's why the, that's why the dad gorilla hates Bugs, is because he thinks his woman's been stepping out on him. Interesting. I never put that together until just now. So, there was the drunken stork... There were Heckle and Jekyll, who I think were crows. Magpies. Magpies, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then there was this Drunky the Crow, Drinky the Crow, who's in the Portland Mercury. Then there was this buzzard in the Warner Brothers cartoons, who wasn't drunk, just seemed kind of dumb. Sort of like a developmentally delayed uh, buzzard of some kind. None of these things are turkeys. Let's take turkey calls now, shall we? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, wild turkeys can fly. He's thinking of a Thanksgiving turkey. Those don't fly, but a wild turkey can fly. They don't look quite similar. Now, at all. here's the here's I was going to say. Here's a dumb question: Is the difference between a wild turkey and a regular turkey just that they, one has been raised on a farm, or are they different breeds of animals? I can't answer that. I, I would think probably they uh, like have bred all the wild turkey characteristics out of them. No, no, the, the, the ones raised in captivity for Thanksgiving have bigger breasts. They will because yeah. they're force-fed. Correct. Yeah, okay. But but in other words, I, and I guess my point, though, is are they different only because of the environment? Is it nature or nurture, really, is my question. Are, have, are they different because they've been raised that way, or are there actually two different breeds of turkeys at this point, genetically speaking? I would think probably two different ones. Interesting, all right. Uh, but wild turkeys, you're saying they can fly. They can fly. They look... They look like the wild turkey that's on the on the whiskey bottle. Oh, okay. Well, that does make all. sense, actually. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you, me. sir. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you. All right. It's almost amazing that Mick Jagger never wrote a song about this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Dennis. Hey, dude, one of the uh, drunken characters that came up is, obviously, when you have kids, is there's also a couple great episodes with old-school Tom and Jerry cartoons where Tom and Jerry actually end up through their fighting, break open the liquor cabinet. Right. And end up, like, going through the entire liquor cabinet, trashing the house, having a party, being drunk, and, like, basically, I don't know if they vomit or whatever, but I just remember looking at my wife going, do you remember this stuff when you are a kid, or did you not? I don't remember picking up on any of that. You just filter it out. There's also a great Bugs Bunny cartoon where he uh, he goes, Shades of Hunter Thompson, where Bugs Bunny goes on an ether binge. Um, and it's the it's the episode where Bugs goes to the uh, goes to the mad scientist lab, and Bugs drinks that formula that turns him into a huge green like Hulk version of himself. But there's there's a sequence where the ether gets opened, and Bugs and the scientist uh, both get high on ether, which yeah, is uh, something like slow motion, like come back, back rabbit, yeah. God, oh, we're lame. The, uh, the buzzard was just bashful, and that was the one that went, oh, no, 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 Exactly. No, no, no. That's exactly who it is. I should have known you would know these things. Well, dude, you know, right. I do what I can. Later, brother. Thank you. There you go. Dennis Bitsenbrider. around. Wild turkeys can fly for short distances at speeds up to 55 miles an hour. They can also reach speeds of 25 miles an hour in the ground, so they can outrun you, too. That's amazing. Yeah. And they can, so they can get up on roofs, which they then destroy. That was sort of the entry point for this whole story. Mm-hmm. So what town is this? This is Philemon. Even if the turkeys are shot, others will return if there's plentiful food, says Nancy Taylor. I swear to God, for a minute. Department of Fish and Wildlife. I thought for a minute you were going to say, even if they're shot, their reign of terror continues unabated. They can't be killed. That is true, because people can't cut off their heads. Police officers will shoot the birds, and the meat will go to charity. Uh, Taylor said, hunting by the public is banned in the city, and the birds are too smart to be trapped. So the birds have outwitted the townspeople of Philemon. 
Okay. Councilman Jerry Jackson Sr. suggested that local hunters lure the birds onto county land, thus solving the problem. People have a lot of time on their hands to be killing these turkeys. It's a good thing that we don't have... They've got to be outwitted, and they already are, outwitting the residents. It's a good thing that we don't have lots of time on our hands to discuss things that are completely pointless. I know it. Uh, oh, by the way, I am thinking of Beaky the Buzzard in the Looney Tunes cartoons. He is Beaky the Buzzard, uh, and he is the one, uh, says uh, he is always saying, uh, but Garsh. Uh, so there you go. Garsh is what he is always saying. Oh, and don't forget the little chicken hunk that wanted to kill Foghorn Leghorn. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. All right, here's Tim Riley. A uh, cement truck tipped over after the truck's brakes failed this morning in Southwest. This happened at the intersection of Southwest 35th Avenue and Pomona Court. The driver was heading down a hill and couldn't stop in a cement truck. Uh, he tried to avoid traffic and ended up tipping the truck on its side, so he saved everybody's lives when he dumped cement all over the place. It doesn't look like the cement dumped. But imagine going down a hill in a cement truck and you can't stop. End of story. We have a, uh, a triple snuff watch. Really? Mm-hmm. Is one of them Hugh Hefner? No. Okay. No, that's uh, here's your triple snuff watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. A killer who claimed he was too fat to be executed by lethal injection was wrong. <laughs> The Supreme Court rejected the appeal that this Ohio man could not be killed humanely. He is five foot seven, or was five foot seven, two hundred sixty-seven pounds, a double murderer who argued his obesity made death by lethal injection inhumane. When so he was all this trouble, it, it, causing the public thousands of millions of dollars to defend him, he was wrong. And he was he was how big? He was five foot seven. 267 pounds. You know, by American standards, that's not fat at all. No, that's very fat. He's my height. But weighs 267 pounds. But I mean, that's like two of me. Oh, see, maybe wide. I thought maybe I thought the height was off. I guess I no. didn't. He's very wide. Ah, that's not that big. I mean, we've well, known. That's why he was wrong. He could have been killed all along. I was going to say we've known people three, four, five times that big. I see them every day. We've worked with people that are probably too big to kill. I mean, let's. It's too big to be executed anyway. We uh, we've worked with any number of people that probably wouldn't fit into that chair. Was it? Would you say it was an electric chair? Uh, no, it wasn't electric chair. It was a lethal injection. Oh, well, what is that? that that's, but that's stupid. What was his... They said, well, they said, oh, he's too fat to find a vein. They found one. No, that's that's not true. That's complete. Yeah, that's that's always... The, the attorneys argued that his weight problem would make it difficult for prison staff to access a vein. So it seems well, like... they found one with no problem. It seems... I was just going to say, it seems like that's a thing that re- there's really no way to know until they test it. And they've tested it, and he was incorrect. I don't think someone knows how the human body works. I was... Well, the problem is here. Uh... The uh, attorneys claim that Ohio has a history of botch executions. The last Ohio inmate to be executed was Christopher Newton, who was similar size to this fellow. Last year, the execution team had trouble putting IVs in his arms, which delays execution nearly two hours. But that's going to be a stressful it. two hours. <laughs> that's going to be... Wait, no, no, hold on. No, wait. No, hold on. No. How do you feel now? No, hold on. <laughs> Are you seeing dead relatives? No? Okay, hold on. Now, let me try it again. Now, turn it up. This. It's like that old Far Side cartoon. Uh, there's a great Far Side cartoon, speaking of botched executions, where it's a guy sitting in the electric chair, and, the, and they show the other guys in the room where they throw the big switch to turn on the electric chair. And, and it's one guy talking to the other guy, and the caption is, I don't know, maybe the contacts are dirty. Just uh, switch it back and forth real quick a few times. That's exactly what this reminds me of. So, um, Part two. Every now and again, they will get a guy who says he's too fat to fit in the electric chairs. There was a guy about 12 years ago. And his whole thing was, 
he tried while he was on death row to gain so much weight they couldn't fit him in the chair. And so he ate constantly, all the time. Uh, I mean, even up to his final meal, he had something like nine cherry pies or something, because his whole thing was making himself so fat that they couldn't fit him in the electric chair. And the great uh, justice of it was, right at the very end, he was fat enough that he just fit in perfectly. Slid in with no wasted space. Here's Tim Riley. Part two. Judith Johnson went to BB Medical Center in Lewes, Delaware, for what she thought was a bad case of indigestion. After an hour after being admitted, the hospital told her husband, she's dead. When somebody at the morgue noticed Jones's corpse was still breathing, Louis Johnson learned his wife was very much alive. The Johnsons are now suing the hospital and medical staff uh, for all kinds of damages. Yes, her brain is injured, but she can walk and talk just fine. Judith, who's 61, was actually having a heart attack when she arrived at the hospital. Less than 48 minutes after she arrived, she went into cardiac arrest. She was given multiple medicines and synchronized shocks, according to emergency room records, which indicated she was not given supplemental oxygen. They also say she never regained a pulse and was declared dead. She now suffers from liver damage, chest pains, memory loss, speech problems, a change in personality, seizure, seizures, and uh, injuries as a result of the care. So why still be alive, I wonder? Uh, the medical authorities will not directly comment on this lawsuit. Yeah, so basically, she's walking around, but nothing else is working. I was just going to say, uh, you know, and we have these stories with what seems like, I wouldn't say all the time, but with alarming regularity, a lot of the, well, we thought you were dead. Because, of course, what do we all think of in this room? We immediately flash forward to the autopsy, where the guy's going, hand me that bone saw. You know, and meanwhile, you're going, well, I'm still, no, I'm right here. No, I'm, ow, ow, ow. Uh, you know, which is There's bad. some music I can listen to while you do this. <laughs> Um, oh, God, speaking of which, I got, did I tell you, I've, I told you this, I have, were you here when I said I had six dental appointments in like five weeks or yes. something? So, another one today, by the way. So, well, that's going to be fun. Get them all over. Oh, it? no, I am. Yeah, I need to make one, because, yeah, I feel like I'm in need of a teeth cleaning. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's a, it's a very satisfying feeling. By the, but they tell you, they tell you some really weird things when you're laying back, and I, you know, and it's that whole joke about how when you, they ask you questions right when you can't answer, you know, like when they hook all the jazz up to your mouth, and they're like, so... What's your favorite movie? You know, and you're just trying to answer. You're trying to say Home Alone. Please say you're trying to say Home Alone. Yes, I was trying to say Home Alone. No, it's just an open-ended vowel sound. Um, But you know, but they tell you things that like you don't really want to hear. I mean, things that, in other words, I can't do anything about it. You're fixing it. Why do I need to know this? Such as when she's she was doing that uh, that thing where they scrape around your roots or whatever. You know, you've got plaque buildup or something. Ew. What is it? Scaling or scaling. something? Which is an unpleasant. I don't want to hear about scales in my mouth. That's a bad thing. Just say you're cleaning. Call it a cleaning and, and leave it at that. It's a darn good cleaning. It is, but why do you have to call it scaling? Because after you report to dental companies, so they can charge more. I mean, call it a super cleaning. Call it a, a hella cleaning or something. Scaling is bad. Scaling makes it sound like they're shaving off the outside of my teeth. Um. It's like when they say your wisdom teeth are impacted. Just say they haven't come in. Impacted makes it sound like somebody punched me really hard and they've turned a powder inside my gum line. Uh, but so she's got that. You know, she's got me back in the chair. And, uh, hey, let me ask you this, too. While they got you back in the chair, am I the only one who thinks they ought to come up with some device that just keeps your mouth propped open so you have to do it yourself? They do. Some of them. Really? When they uh, give you a crown, they put this metal piece in that has this uh, piece of rubber on it. Is it comfortable? I mean, is it... Not comfortable, but is it better than having to hold your mouth open the whole time? I think it's worse. Really? But it's more convenient for them. Uh, okay, maybe I don't want it. It like then. stretches out your mouth and you're in pain for the first ten minutes, but after a while, it looked like Leona Helmsley. Yes. Uh, but uh, so she's so I'm lean, you know, I'm leaning back in the chair and she's scraping my my upper teeth or my front upper teeth or whatever it is, your incisors, and she's saying, yeah, so um, yeah, you've just got a lot of black stuff underneath these gums. 
like, why would you tell me oh, that? Oh, I don't even want to hear that. I'm like, I don't want to hear like, that. Like, why would you say? That well, for dump, you and your dump, God. No, 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 no. And I asked her. I said, oh. when later I said, I said, what are you talking about? What is that? And she goes, well, that's an overstatement. And I said, what do you mean it's an over? Why would you say that? And she said that apparently it's not that. It's just that, like, uh, she said your plaque, if it's plaque underneath your gum line, she said that apparently your plaque is just like it gets like the shade gets like you know whatever it gets darker or something. Uh, and she's like, well, when, flat, when plaque first forms, it's like off yellow. She's like, but if you don't clean it out within a week or so, it just gets. She goes, everybody has it. They just don't know. My dad just talks about mutual funds. Really? No. And that was that's the other thing she tells. It's like when they say that um, when they when they say that like everybody eats seven spiders a year without knowing it. She goes, she goes, no, no, no. Everybody has this. If you could look at the gums of everybody you know, it's exactly the same. And I had exactly the same thought you do. Why are you telling me this? I can't do anything about it clearly. And she actually she goes, and there's really nothing you can do about it. It's just there. There's a there's not much you can do, Rick. And I said, you know, you can just take care of it without telling me about it. I I, I don't really need to know that. It's like if some guy's going to open you up and he finds 15 pounds of impacted stool or something. You know what? I I don't need to know it was there. You can just get rid of it without ever really cluing me into its existence. I'm I'm fine being ignorant of that. Here's Tim Riley. Part three. An 90-year-old woman was killed when she lost control of her brand-new sports car as she slammed into a utility pole in Pompano Beach, Florida. Maria Bernetti uh, got the new 2009 Dodge Challenger for her 90th birthday. That seems ill-advised. Challenger. I barely knew her. Florida. Oh, damn it. I didn't even hear that. They believe she lost control yesterday when she accelerated instead of braking, trying to make a turn. She had a concrete pole and caused a fire. Uh, and she and her son were trapped inside. Witnesses say they tried to pull them for the burning car, but the the heat was just too hot. By the way, the heat was too hot, really? The heat was too hot. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, this is uh, the power of Tim Riley. Three days off, three deaths. Fear him! There's your triple snuff watch. Hey, uh, so speaking of death, what was up with that story last night that Hugh Hefner was dead? Did you guys get that? We talked about that all this morning before you came in. I, uh, I Yeah, I didn't hear you guys talking about it, but I got a bunch of emails like, Hugh Hefner's dead, which I don't think he I is. Know. I don't think he is either, but that's kind of weird how it was up and then now it's not. And then... But I think it was only up on Wikipedia. I don't think it was an actual news story, was yeah, it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I heard somebody, I got a few people last night, somebody um, emailed said, hey, check this out, Hugh Hefner's dead. But it, they were all just links to his Wikipedia site. So I think that was where somebody just went and they just sort of put that in and, you know, and of course nobody, including us, ever bothers to check anything these days. You just sort of report it. So no. Right. Hey, did we ever find out that uh, what the business of John McCain having some secret granddaughter he won't talk to? Were you here when we reported that? I don't believe so. We reported it. It was from Lisa uh, Desjardins actually told us about it. She obviously didn't report it as fact, but she told us about this story that was around where John McCain's daughter, Sydney had apparently given up a girl for adoption some time ago. I mean, like 20-some years ago. Uh, and so now, the daughter, the granddaughter, he never knew. The, but the story is that John McCain's granddaughter keeps trying to find him and contact him, and like he won't return her calls. Hmm. So I'm going to choose to believe that it's true. I don't care if it's true or not. We're going to report it as a fact. But that's the story that I heard. So, uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Well, it was a big lie. There was a rumor out there that Apple was to launch the $800 laptop yesterday. Turned out... The starting price is $1,299, so it ruined the whole thing. You can buy a used one for $999. 
But uh, no, it's twelve hundred. So if you thought you're getting a cheap Mac, it's not going to happen. All right. The party has been spoiled. Let's uh, talk about that to California fire, shall we? Governor Schwarzenegger is touring fire damage. I don't know why they go on tours of these things. He commended the firefighters for putting out the fire as much as 70%, but says the danger is not over yet. This is only uh, the beginning. So far, there's 25,000 acres that they burned. It will be much more. And I think that we will be ready. We will have the manpower ready. We will have the coordination ready. Fires are dangerous. We're basically, again, the perfect storm, which means very strong uh, uh, winds. We have low humidity and we have heat. I know, but of course, because because he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and of course the, the the person is just inseparable from the character. I always expect those things to sound like now. That's what I call a burning sensation, you know. And then it just cuts to the closing credits. Here's Tim Riley. So it's destroyed thousands of homes, forcing thousands of people out of their homes in the uh, valley. The fierces are burning in the uh, the San Fernando Valley, the northern portion. Traffic is snarled on the 118 Ronald Reagan Freeway, closed in both directions. By the way, I've got some sad news. And this email was sent to me from uh, the marketing department here. Yeah. Uh, Susan says, try to break this news gently to Sarah. Let me read now from the press release. Uh-oh. Due to an unavoidable scheduling conflict, the Portland date for New Kids on the Block has been canceled. Oh, thank God I didn't buy tickets. That's the scheduling conflict I think they're referring to. Okay. People, people were going to schedule a time to buy tickets, just forgot to do it. So, there you go. Seriously, I was going to try and weasel some out of somebody as it got closer. You weren't going to pay, were you? No. God, no. Well, see, that, that, that kind of surprises me, actually, uh, that you would not pay. I figured you would pay at least, like, the bare minimum, maybe. No, because that. that's just so blatantly raping my childhood. It's just like, and, and just really? like a bunch of grown men. That would be a great, a great name for the tour. <laughs> blatantly raping your childhood. Yes. I was just... I, I was just going to picture, I was just picturing, uh, I was just picturing, uh, like, uh, Donnie Wahlberg and, uh, you know, Jordan Knight holding your childhood down in an alley, Trey Parker style, and just giving it a good sodomizing. Oh, I hope South Park does that. That'd be hilarious. Take off his pants! Um, yes? Yeah. No, it sounded, the whole thing just sounded depressing. All right. But thank you, Susan. Well, you know, it is inevitable, by the way, because he always embraces these things. It is inevitable that Kevin Smith at some point will release a special deluxe super hella edition of Clerks called Clerks Raping Your Childhood Edition. I mean, it's just a given, because he's so great at embracing that stuff. And I mean, like Clerks 2, the documentary for Clerks 2 is called Back to the Well. Um, you know, so, and he's a guy who has a pretty fine-tuned sense of his own absurdity. So I'm calling that right now. If he doesn't do it, I'm going to find a way to do it. But I, I, I guarantee you that Kevin Smith at some point will release a cut of Clerks just called the Raping Your Childhood Edition. Here's Tim Riley. So they're going to close down the Freightliner plant here. Ah, uh, that sucks. Yeah. They're going to close it down by mid-2010. That's 900 jobs that are going to be lost. And uh, Freightliner is owned by uh, Daimler AG. Now, is, now is, are those jobs going elsewhere? They let's just see. Mean, uh, let's is Freightliner... They're going, to, they're going to end production in Portland and a Canada plant. And I'm trying to see where they're going. So wait, so will Freightliner of Portland be gone, period? Yeah. Is that the end of it? Yes. Wow, That's that really... Uh-huh. A lot of it, a lot of this is being assigned to Santiago, Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's what you get for the free market economy. So that's how it, it is. It really helps you, you know. All right. Uh, well, that really this is an overused phrase, uh, but that is the end of an era. Uh, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people jobs that pay livable wages. Well, I was going to say that. I mean, that's just part of the that's just part of the spiraling decay of the American empire. That's that's not really the end of an era. That's just one more step down the stairway to hell that we seem to be on. Um, I'm starting to Lou Dobbs. Uh, but it really is the end of an era in that for generations, 
And I don't have to sound all corny Being Americana to about it. To build something. Well, but not just that, but Freightliner. Um, Freightliner. It's huge. It's a big part of Oregon and a big part of the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple generations of my family worked at Freightliner. Um, my uh, Both my uncles on my mother's side worked at Freightliner. Uh, my grandfather worked at Freightliner. Um, my my grandmother for a time actually worked as uh, she was a receptionist or some gal Friday or whatever. They, she worked at Freightliner. Um, you know, on my mother's side, they were you either went to work at Freightliner or you went to work uh, as a logger. Those are the only two professions uh, really in my mom's family. And growing up in growing up in my home in Kennewick, it's like that great scene in the Commitments where they they're in the Rabbit family household and they're showing there's the picture of the Pope, but then above that is the picture of Elvis. Because Mr. Rabbit idolizes Elvis, and so there's the Pope, but then Elvis above him. In my house, in my hallway, there was a crucifix, but above the picture of the crucifix was a picture of the 100,000th Freightliner truck to come off the assembly line because my grandfather had worked on it. And they painted on the side, Freightliner 100,000, and they took a picture, and that hung in my my childhood home forever. So Chuck Palahniuk worked at Freightliner. Um, the guy who, upon the guy who Tyler Burden, uh, Tyler Durden, the character, the guy, the, the the character of Tyler Durden is based on a guy who worked on the line next to Chuck Palahniuk at Freightliner. Um, it is uh, it is impossible to overstate the impact that Freightliner had on Oregon for a long time. Very much the Boeing of Oregon. So, uh, well, whatever. All right, so that's the end of that, I guess. Uh, let's Not take yet. a break. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. So we got a year. Yeah. Everybody has a year to dread their impending unemployment. Thanks so much for that. All right. It's 503-733-2970. We return more from Tim Riley later on. Uh, Nina Parker from TMZ. Steve Katzenbaum. Clergy Watch coming up. Another installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. Your phone calls and more. Stay there. It's The Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Are these still perky calls? Let's figure this out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello? Hello. Hi, who's this? Oh, hi. Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Um, How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm just wondering if you remember uh, the two, or no, the two versions of Bugs Bunny. The original one was super skinny and really manic, and he laughed like, and then the later years was a more mellow Bugs Bunny. Well, a lot of the Warner Brothers cartoons went through that evolution, uh, most notably Daffy Duck. Daffy <laughs> Duck, who, yeah, Daffy Duck, who is, in my opinion, the greatest of all Warner Brothers cartoons, uh, cartoon characters. Uh, Daffy Duck, if you remember, in the early iterations of Daffy Duck, 
he was just loony. I mean, that's the thing. Is he was he was just sort of insane, and again, sort of manic in a way, and uh, did that thing of like bouncing around on his head and being kooky, and was sort of almost like a Woody Woodpecker style character. Yeah. Later, Daffy Duck. And it was really just a testament to how much work they put into those characters that they do have personalities. I mean, how many cartoon characters really have actual personalities? And uh, just as Daffy stopped being insane and became sort of an, an a-hole, that became his thing. As Daffy became scheming, conniving, greedy, selfish, piggish, Bugs Bunny went from being sort of kooky to being um, very sophisticated and sarcastic in a Groucho Marx kind of way. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, the evolution of cartoon characters fascinates me. It really does. Um, that, well, even what is... if you look at Mickey Mouse, who's, of course, in that other whole Disney deal. Right. But his, the old school Mickey was all cool and skinny and, you know, I don't know what it is with the skinny Mickey. But... Well, he had, that, like, the, he had the Steamboat Willie sort of happy-go-lucky thing, but then later he became less happy-go-lucky and more of an all-American sort of, you know, all-American character, a very... Uh, you know, a very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mickey Mouse became a very, a, a very everyman kind of character in some ways. Bland right. everyman, but an everyman nonetheless. Yes. Exactly. What is your uh, What is your favorite Warner Brothers cartoon? Your favorite uh, like Bugs Bunny style cartoon? Oh gosh, well. Which one makes I you guess, laugh the most? Um, you know, there's a Bugs Bunny where he's um turns into a hairdresser. And he's uh, working with a monster. Do you it, remember this? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, he's working with a monster called Gossamer, and that yeah. is when he's in that is when he's in a castle, and there's the mad scientist. And right. Gossamer is a big thing shaped like a tooth, but he's made out of hair. And Bugs is giving him a permanent, and he's taking bobby pins out, and he's talking like sort of an effeminate hairdresser. Exactly, exactly. That is by far my favorite one. And at the end, it turns out that Gossamer is just hair and sneakers. All right. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, have a good day. Hey, you as well. All right. I could talk about Warner Brothers cartoons all day. Tim, do you own the Warner Brothers DVDs? I do not. No. Dude. My dad owns the entire collection. Yeah, you got to get it. You can get the golden, uh, I think it's called the golden collection uh-huh. uh, of, of Warner Brothers cartoons, which is all the ones you want. It's all the, you know what I want, though? I want the whole, I want somebody, maybe this is already out there. I want somebody to put out a whole box set of just the Roadrunner cartoons. Because you know what? You, you, call me call me a retard, call me an adult adolescent, call me whatever. Those, the Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons to this day, I mean, I've seen them all a thousand times. And let's be honest, there's only one. I mean, there's the one setup over and over. Those Roadrunner cartoons, I will laugh myself sick even now. Um, I mean, they never get old. They never, ever, ever get old. What is your favorite Warner Brothers cartoon, Tim? It has to be Bugs Bunny. But I mean, do you have a, a particular cartoon, a particular episode? No. For lack of a better, really? That surprises me. Mm-hmm. I would figure you would have a particular sort of a madcap adventure. Mm-mm, not uh, in particular. You know what? Here's okay. Here's one that I love. I never get sick of this one either. Because uh, a well, and and I hate to I hate to knock on the people with whom you spent your weekend, but Warner Brothers cartoons are superior to Disney cartoons in every way. That's just that's not even debatable in my opinion. It's right. just it's, it's a fact. Um, because the thing about Disney is Disney never gave any of their cartoon characters real personality traits, whereas Warner Brothers characters did seem like real people in that they were able to have sort of negative characteristics. I, I think Disney cartoons are for like. Under six yeah. years of age. And, you know, Warner Brothers are for a little older, onto adult. Uh, Warner Brothers cartoons cover a huge demographic. Would you also agree? Um, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but it, it feels like a thing that's correct. Would you agree that Disney cartoons are Republican and Warner Brothers cartoons are Democrat? Or, oh, yeah. 
I mean, I don't know why, because the because Warner Brothers, Disney cartoons are just so clean cut. Well, it's supposed to be Midwest corn. Exactly. Basically. Very mild mannered and very sort of, uh, you know, very harmless. Uh, whereas the it reminds Warner, me of life in Iowa. <laughs> and the we Warner Brothers cartoons are great because some of those characters are just flat out. I mean, there's that great episode where Bugs and Daffy are uh, they're tunneling to Pismo Beach, but they come up inside Aladdin's cave and there's all the fortune. And Bugs is busy looking at the map and saying, of course, I should have taken the left turn at Albuquerque. And when they show Daffy and his eyes just narrow to little slits and his tongue comes out, he starts licking the front of his bill because he sees the big pile of jewels. And you just see him sort of narrowing and his eyes go down to little pinpricks. And he kind of does the thing where his eyes suddenly dart over to Bugs. And then the next thing you know, he is jumping up and down on Bugs, jumping and pounding him back into the hole and saying, Mine, mine, go, go, down, down, stay, stay. And the genie appears and is talking about, you know, you I'll give you three wishes, but you have consequences. And Daffy's Daffy's response sums up the entire difference between Warner Brothers and Disney. When the genie appears to offer Daffy three wishes, but says, There will be consequences, Daffy says Consequences, schmonsequences, as long as I'm rich, which is great. So, here's Tim Riley. Uh, the only thing I have from Warner Brothers is their entire uh, movie music collection from Eric Wolfgang, Corn Gold. Oh, They're that's the right. greatest composer. That's right. We were talking about him at one point. And I, I finally found those. What's the name of that big music store in L.A.? I don't even know. If, Amoeba? No, no, the other one. Not Amoeba, but Oza, uh, not Ozone. Um, Amoeba, what we was the... Know, we should both know this. It was... Um, they, they put out, they, put, they reissue things a lot of times. I can't remember. Mm. I guess it doesn't matter anymore. No, I'm thinking of Amoeba because that's the one. That, but what was the one that shut down, the legendary one, that they just closed one of the locations? Or was that Amoeba? I think they just closed an Amoeba. Yeah. I don't remember else. now. Well, anyway, it's from the other one we can't think of that we both should know. Yeah. you got to get that Warner Brothers collection, though. It's a genius. All right. And it also has Duck Amuck, which is, like, one of the best things ever. And final observation, here's another great uh, Bugs Bunny moment. Because we've all seen these a billion times. Sarah, did you watch Bugs Bunny cartoons growing up? That mm-hmm. that style of cartoon, good mm-hmm. for you. Because sometimes you know, because you lived in Spain and yeah, and all, weird. Yeah, all the Warner Brothers stuff I grew yeah. up on. Okay, here's another great one because Halloween is coming up. There's that episode. Uh, I keep saying about it, there's that particular Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's staying in the castle overnight, Dracula's castle, and Dracula keeps, of course, trying to suck his blood and whatever. And he keeps hearing Dracula transform himself by saying abracadabra and then hocus pocus. And so Bugs starts screwing with him and going. Abracapocus. And like the, the Dracula sort of holding up like a huge brick and Bugs says, Abracapocus and he turns into he turns into a bat and the brick falls and wedges him into the floor and he goes Hocus Hocus and you know and he springs back up and Bugs says Pocus Cadabra! And so he turns into the guy's head with the little bat wings and then the brick falls again and every time the guy comes back up, he's just more and more beat to crap. I mean it's just that never violence when it's done comically never gets old. I mean, well done, hilarious violence. That never ages. Um, all right. Well, we'll get to, we have some calls about this, unsurprisingly. But in the meantime, let's do a story here with Tim Riley. Well, Washington school has been bombed for spraying students with lice stuff that made them sick. A lice outbreak at a Washougal Elementary School led to six students and a fine for violating pesticide laws. It all started when Mont Pleasant School Superintendent Michael Hyde told teachers to spray students with anti-lice solution. When the kids are at recess. Up against the wall. This is mostly their coats, apparently. Mm-hmm. According to the Washington Department of Agriculture, some of the Mount Pleasant kids got sick from the insecticide, which had a warning label against exposure to people and clothing. <laughs> the district is... This is your education 
Uh, the district That's is ordered fantastic. to pay $900 in fines and notify parents each school year about pest control policies. Why should the parents be notified? They're not spraying this stuff. By law, uh, state officials are required to notify anyone 48 hours before any pesticide is sprayed. Till then, A pesticide. Well, these kids are full of lice. Something seems like there's on. seems like there's a pun of true lice. L- lice. True lice stories. Ah, there you go. That's it. Um, but it, it's funny when you think about that. It's a pesticide because normally a pesticide is a thing that you figure like a crop duster is going to be dropping on a wheat field somewhere. But I guess That's it is. This, should, this is apparently the use. It's an insecticide, I guess. Yes. Feel I can love you and put the insecticide. Uh, but which is. It's just an interesting thing that these kids are like hosing them down with rid or whatever the hell that is. Hey, did I ever tell you my, this wasn't about me, it was somebody else, my embarrassing lice medicine story? Mm-hmm. Wasn't even really me, it was, it was a, guy I, a guy I knew. Because there is rid, which is for getting rid of lice, and then there is rit, which is a, which is a clothing dye. And RIT is a clothing dye that kids use, or they used anyway, like if you had a white t-shirt and you wanted to make it blue, you'd buy RIT clothing dye. So there was this great moment where a guy knew was at the you know was at the store and it was a, some teenage boy was there with it and he sees the kid with the you know with the jar of red and he goes oh gonna be doing some dyeing tonight Johnny and he goes no well I see you got your dye right here what are you gonna be dyeing tonight t-shirt pants you kids love to dye things and he picks him and looks at it and he realizes it's not it's not really it's not rit so much as it is rid and then that's right when the checker does the thing of like I need a price check on rid life spray and you know that's a that and if you are the kid at school that has lice, everyone knows your name. Oh, Everybody know. knows who you are. You are a pariah. Yes. You you become Thomas Covenant uh, to all of your classmates. Let's see. Let's. Uh, My parents would not allow us to accept Halloween candy from the house where the kids had lice. Is that true? Yes. In case they've been rubbing those jujubes on their skulls. Well, you know what? What's even worse is they didn't give out candy. They gave out handfuls of popcorn thrown uh, into a bag, and their kids uh, had head lice. Ah. Uh, okay. I was. Thinking your parents were overreacting until you told me that. It was a long time ago, so probably they're less free by now. It was a simpler time, Tim. It was. They gave out handfuls of popcorn? Yeah. Not like popcorn balls. But handfuls handfuls of, popcorn. of popcorn. Yes. That is not right. Well, you had a choice of that. Going down this poor street. Or a pencil. Or going to the top of the hill, to the mansion where they give a big box of Cracker Jacks. What did you dress as for Halloween? What was your go-to costume? Batman. Really? Homemade or from the store? Uh, homemade. My dad made it. Yeah. He even spray painted the mask black. It was made out of rubber. That's very cool. Sarah, your, your go-to Halloween costume? I used to dress as a, um, honestly, like a little... As a princess? No, a punk rock. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, I've seen those photos, actually. Mm-hmm. Those, that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, like these little cute white ankle boots. It was like, I was in fourth and fifth grade, and I wore the same one, and like a giant pink turtleneck mm-hmm. that I belted, and I had like a purple... Punky. So you're sort of a glammy sort of gem punk. Yeah, and had like yeah painted like streaks down Excellent. my face. Very stuff. cool. I uh, my go-to costume was Spider-Man, and I this is one of those things that I always have to apologize to my mom uh, for just this guilt that I carry from childhood, because my mom she wanted me to have a great costume, and you know my, my parents have a lot of money, but more of it was just that they they wanted me to have a great costume. So my mom actually made a Spider-Man costume from scratch, like made it herself on the sewing machine. But, of course, I was like, I don't want this. I want the $1.99 one from Woolworths. Like, I thought the store, anything from the store was better. So I remember complaining about it that first year. I feel like such a dick. Even now, I just feel like such an ass for complaining about my mom's homemade Halloween kit that she made with her own two hands. And then when I hit 11, I started dressing as the creature from the Black Lagoon for some reason. And that's what I dressed as for the rest of my adolescence. And I dressed, by the way, let's have a no illusions about this. 
I dressed up for Halloween until I was like 16. That's right. I have no problem with that at all. Didn't go out for candy. I just liked dressing up as the creature from the Black Lagoon. So. Now, it can be very embarrassing when your parents help you with things. And you know it's definitely not cool, and you're right. you're trying to phrase it in a way not to hurt feelings when you know this is totally wrong. Totally, yeah, totally. Dad, you are not a hepcat. This isn't helping. Uh, let's see here. And don't take handfuls of popcorn from the kids that have lice. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Hello. Hey, uh, you forgot about the Barbara F. Seville with Bug Bunny. Uh, wait, are we talking about the same thing? Are we talking about that opera doc? Is that the same one? The name of that cartoon? Uh, it could be. I, I noticed I have a, the full cartoon because it was so long. They had a, you know, on Saturday mornings, I had to chop it up in like four episodes. Right, right. I have a, I got a DVD. I think it's the same Warner Brother DVD, but it's got the full Barbara of Seville. Uh, I think we're, or no, 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 Rabbit of Seville is what it's called. Yeah. There's Rabbit of Seville, and then there's that, uh, or What's Opera, Doc, which are, I think are yeah. two similar but different cartoons. Well spotted. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's really, really great. And, uh, and so what is it? Is that on a box set, you said? totally cool i i you know when my kid was growing up i he there, bugs bunny was already off the air right you're on channel 12 or something right. so you know i i bought that and showed it to him and he goes and the first thing out of his mouth was well these are much cooler than what i was well yeah no it's it's true and that's not just an old guy thing because you know what look i gotta tell you but but when i was born those cartoons were already 25 years old i mean they were a quarter century old when i was oh, born yeah. they are just they're just better they're yeah. just, they're classic. They well, the Warner's cartoons are timeless. Yeah, they, they, absolutely. They are absolutely timeless. And here's the other when thing. They were making them, they knew that. They they put in, they poured the cream of their talent into making those cartoons. And they did the full 24 frame per second rate, too. Uh, you know, it, that's why the animation looks so fluid, because a lot of times to save money, they'll put 15 or 16 frames per second, and it's kind of jerky looking. Warner Brothers cartoons, it's smooth, fluid mo movement, almost as though they were filming those characters because it's the full 24 frames per second. If something small is running on the floor, you will see the electrical outlets on the wall it's next to the baseboard. Attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you know, uh, you know Stan Freeberg, hit one of his very first jobs was in a Warner Brothers cartoon. If you watch, remember in the Warner Brothers uh, cartoons, the, the two... Uh, the two squirrels or chipmunks that are always trying to out-nice each other? No, after you. No, after you. No, I insist. I think that was Chip and Dale. Uh, no, no, no. Those are Disney characters. Oh. I always yeah. get them confused. No, no, no. Chip and Dale are chipmunks. These are, these are I believe, are squirrels. squirrels yeah. And they're always trying to out-polite each other. And they're sort of what British. are the squirrels' names? Yes, and Sylvester kept trying to get them all the time. Exactly. And, uh, and one of them is Mel Blanc. The other one, though, is Stan Freeberg, one of my all-time heroes. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Good spot. Well spotted, sir. Yep. Right. Hey, have okay. a good one. Happy birthday. Uh... Whose birthday is it? <laughs> uh, he, he was, you know what, That's he was punting there, and then he just pulled the ripcord. Uh, no, you're right. They are timeless. They don't date at all. Uh, just exceptionally well done and sophisticated and layers of comedy and, uh, you know, different. I don't mean to bust on Family Guy because I like Family Guy, but a lot of Family Guy references, a couple years later, they become, you know, maybe dated, and you don't necessarily kind of know what they're referencing, whereas with, the, you know, with Warner Brothers, I think they knew they were making something for all time. Uh, really just, it, it, it broke the mold there. I mean, and all the subsequent sort of, re, re, you know, reprises of those characters have just not been nearly as good. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, it's Chuck. Hello, sir. Hey, uh, one thing, did you you notice that after, like, 1960, Warner Brothers cartoons sucked? And I think it had something to do with uh, going into television because they were theatrical shorts up until then. They were originally made for the theater, and then I think, uh, you know, part of the original crew sort of got phased out, and they brought in, well, you know, replacements who didn't really know how to do it. In 1960, uh, right around there, Chuck Jones went to uh, MGM and screwed up all the Tom and Jerry cartoons. Uh, the, Tom and Jerry was good until he started producing them, although he was one of the best uh, directors 
of the Warner Brothers up until that time. I will say Chuck Jones, who's an animator, obviously, who you know created or perfected many characters, does have a very demonstrable uh, impact on a lot of other cartoons, and he also has a very distinct and recognizable style. He also did a lot of things that people sort of forget. He did Ricky Tiki Tavi, for example. Yeah, um, uh, for Hanna Barbera. And I think he did. El- I think he did uh, Elmer. Uh, I don't know why I was about to say Elmer Fudd. He did uh, E. B. White's Charlotte Webb. I believe that was Chuck Jones as well. Yeah. Now is Tim there? I don't I know, am. Tim. Let me look. Yes, yes I am. I, I'd like to know what that CD is with that music, uh, the Warner Brothers music. That is from Warner Brothers Classic Movies. Who is the uh, composer? Eric Wolfgang Korngold. Uh, with a K. Yes, Korngold with a K. Uh, is that available, like, on Amazon? or? You might check it. I got it a while ago, but it, it is out it's, it's kind of, I think it's a four-disc set. Everything is available. Everything is oh, available. Oh, now, is, is that video? No, it's no, a no, CD. No, no, it's, it's a oh, CD okay. collection of just the archival library now, music. I have yes. four uh, DVDs of uh, box sets. There's literally, like, two box sets. Will you swap those for a sofa? You guys would like to see that. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. All right. Uh, Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes cartoons. Oh, I, no, I, okay, no, that's okay. Excellent. So, thank you, sir. That's exactly okay. That's what I'm talking about. I have that Golden Age collection. Uh, by the way, you're listening to CBS uh, radio station KCMD Portland, <laughs> broadcasting in the public interest, convenience, and necessity with our endless discussion of Warner Brothers cartoons at 970 kilocycles on the AM dial. Uh, by the way. Before we sort of move on from this, talking about comedic violence and violence that never gets old. The best kind. Um, what else to you? Let me ask you this, Tim. Mm-hmm. What is something, I'm just legitimately curious about this, what is something you have seen a billion times that retains all of its comedic punch? A movie, a whatever, something you've just seen to death that never becomes any less funny? A movie itself? Or maybe a movie, maybe a whatever. I mean, we were talking about cartoons. Trains, animal, and automobiles. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what you look for, right? Is the gum in which the flavor is never chewed right. out. Sarah, a movie, you laugh yourself sick every single time. Never gets any less funny. Because I got one, and I bet everybody does. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy, exploding car. I can't feel yeah. my legs anymore. <laughs> Let's see what happens when you use the other guy's brakes. Gosh, I think I'd go with, like, a... um. A classic, like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Oh, I'd go for that, too. Yeah. See, and for that me, never gets old for me. And see, those are, those are great. Tommy Boy, uh, I laugh at that every single time. Always, always. Here's another one, though. Uh, something, and this is, I think, a generational thing. I think we've, uh, I don't know that, I don't know that these are really, um, I don't know that these films have really carried over into the, uh, to the young people now. But the original Peter Sellers Pink Panther films. Um, I don't think that's carried over, but they are classics. They are classics, but I don't think people watch them really now. I don't think the new generation watches them. And they are, they're sort of off-putting because there's a lot of you know racial stereotyping and, and whatever, which I don't think is mean-spirited. In other words, how do I put this? I, it was just the way people at the times spoke. Well, and, and well, and those and there's such farces anyway. I don't, in other words, I don't think there's anything racist about the Pink Panther movies, but but they there was a particular style of speech, and of course, you know, the character of Cato who is, uh, you know, I think is viewed by some people maybe as being a racist character. And I don't necessarily, or a character who is depicted out of racism, and I don't necessarily think that's but the case. There was some meanness even at Faulty Towers. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because the best comedy is mean. I mean, it's not real comedy unless it hurts. I mean, you've watched Faulty Towers, and, you know, but, but don't you agree that the British can sort of get away with that in a way that Americans can't, sure. you know? Because Faulty Towers, a perfect example, it's just filled with all kinds of, I mean, with Manuel, the butler, and Sybil Fawlty's explanation for everything going, you know, like, well, he's from Barcelona. Exactly. Uh, and at least, there's at least a couple episodes of Fawlty Towers where that uh, character... The Germans. The major, well, and, and not only that, but the, where he does the, he does the Hitler walk oh, yeah. next to yeah. the, 
uh, where he does the Hitler walk next to the Germans at the table. And there is an episode of Faulty Towers where that character of the Major, I think it is, the old oh, guy yeah. who lives there, is using the N-word uh, sort of in casual conversation, which, you know, of course, you could never do now. But in those Pink Panther cartoons, there's Clouseau's frequent references to Cato's injuries by usually using the phrase, and this is a Clouseau saying this, he would say, they nearly blew, they nearly blew his little yellow skin off, which is what Clouseau would say after some bomb had gone off. In the apartment, which, and again, I don't think Blake Edwards is a mean-spirited or racist person, but you could, you know, you could never use that now. Um, but I have to tell you that just the moments in those Pink Panther films when Clouseau would come home and Cato would have laid some trap for him, and then it would just be ten minutes of fighting and falling through things and fall. There is there is a moment in I think the Pink Panther Returns where. Clouseau, Peter Sellers' says Clouseau is in, he, you know, he's interrogating some rich family, and he's in this sort of indoor gym that they have. And there's two things that happen in rapid succession. One is there's a suit of armor, and the suit of armor, the metal glove has like a mace, you know, one of those big balls with the spikes on it. And the suit of armor, the glove has a mace, and Clouseau takes off the, hand, the, the, the glove and he puts it on. And then, and then he gets it stuck on his hand, so Clouseau has got this big metal glove with a mace attached to it at the end of a chain, and he can't get it off, and he forgets it's there. And then a fly starts buzzing around, and he forgets he has the mace, and he just starts swinging the mace and destroying everything. And there's a, a sequence later on in that same film where he's at an indoor gymnasium, and he's on one of those, those, you know, those like uneven bars, the parallel bars where you sort of swing back and forth, and the parallel bars are right next to a staircase that leads downstairs. And he just, at the end, swings off the parallel bars right over the banister and directly down to the next floor. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And it never gets any less funny. So there's a, it is always good when those, you know, those timeless things, man. They, not as many of those as there should be. Here's Tim Riley. Did you know that today is the last day you can register to vote in Oregon? Make sure you do so. Forms are available at post offices. Uh, the DMV. Why would you go into the DMV? They're available. They're yeah. local libraries. Hate your life. Some public schools where they spray for lice. And most universities. They're also available at county elections divisions. You can go to uh, 1040 Southeast and Morrison Street. That's the Multnomah County office. Fill out the appropriate forms. They're open till 6 o'clock tonight. Clackamas County residents can visit their local offices on Red Soils Court. Now, when does the... What? That's what this street is. Red Soils Court in Oregon City. Is that, that where they the recently clock. got rid of some dissidents? I guess so. Uh, the Where are you going? Going to uh, Wet Damp Ground uh, Square in uh, Beijing. So when is the the when do the things go out in the mail? Because I don't think I've gotten any. I haven't got mine. I did get the uh, voter registration booklet. Yeah, but I haven't gotten the actual no. ballot. Me right, that doesn't go out yet, does it? I, I hope so soon. I mean, usually yeah. I, I think I got it a month in advance. I last wondered time. if maybe there'd been some purging of the voter rolls or something. No, so. that's what I was thinking. All right. Uh, hey, was it too late to auction off my endorsement? For what? Like on you know for for whoever's running for whatever you know like on eBay if I could uh, you know offering my endorsement at the highest bidder. No, it's never too late to make money. Is that legal? Can I sell my endorsement? I, I see no reason why you can't, unless it's against eBay rules. I mean, isn't that like endorsing a product? I mean, well, that's a fair point. That. That's true. I mean, if well, I can, these candidates are products. You know, obviously, if there are clients or businesses who retain us to endorse their goods or services. That's true. Like, if someone wants to pay their money and they just want you to talk about what a nice person they are for like a minute as a live read. Jeff Merkley's a great guy. That would be amazing if someone. He keeps chewing on hot dogs without swallowing them. That's a genius idea. If somebody just pulled together some of their money and they're like, you know what? I want to live read once a day talking about how awesome I am. I should. Uh, that I want you to do all spots with your muffle of hot dogs. Wait, no, no, no. No, Sarah's <laughs> on to something here. 
Sarah is really on to something. And you know what? The sales department loves things like that. That sounds retarded, but well, like all... Most of the work for them. <laughs> the thing is, all great ideas initially seem stupid. Are you kidding me? No, we can find people dates. Like, talk about their MySpace pic- like profiles and talk about how Dude. fun they are to go out drinking with and stuff. Dude, that is one of the best ideas you have ever had. Where instead Somebody of just... hire me. <laughs> well, because obviously we do, you know, <laughs> work that way. we will do... Uh, you know, we will talk about a product like Viso, for example. And, you know, let's have no illusions. Obviously, Viso is a client. Viso is an advertiser. No getting around that. It's also a great product. You know, we, it's you know, tasty too. Uh, it's wonderful. But uh, you know, but they're an advertiser, and you know that is the way that uh, that is the way that our capitalist system uh, works when we're not falling prey to socialism. So we should totally do that, where we offer. It, where we will sell airtime to anybody on KFC, KCMD, KCMD Portland. We're like some guy, like some guy Ted. Uh, I, Ted, I want to hire Sarah uh, just to talk about how bitching I am uh, for two minutes. And uh, and then they just, we could almost automate that like a Google AdSense thing. All right, seriously. No, I, I worked at places where they charge us happy birthday to people. Is that true? Yes, when I did Helen's Poker Party. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is uh, this is Rick Emerson. Kristen, yes. Uh, is, oh, hello, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. Hey, um, is uh, you, know, you don't have to transfer me right there. Is Michael Fashana in today? Um, he actually just left. He won't be back till a little bit after two. All right. I'm going to find him later. i got a genius idea. Okay. All right. Thank All right. you. No All problem. Right, there you go. The best part of that, okay, as you can tell, she didn't really care. Yeah. Genius idea. That's great. Bye. You're George of my lunch. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a San Diego man who was allegedly poaching lobsters was caught with six of these creatures stepped on his pants. Bing Kwong Chong uh, was sentenced four times to poaching. Is that a sound effect you were just making? No, that's a fellow's name. Okay. Uh, his name is Bing Chong Kong. He was sentenced four times to poaching, allegedly taking the lobsters from the La Jolla State Marine Reservation area. Oh, you don't want to screw with that La Jolla? They will beat you down if you touch anything there. Yeah, they will kill you. Well, Mr. Bing Chong Chow uh, was arrested after uh, wardens noticed odd bulges in his pants. Lobsters in the San Diego area do not have pincers. What does that mean to the story? I don't understand. Uh, it means, well, I mean, I know what it means. Why are they reporting that? Uh, because he had an odd bulge in his pants by stealing them. All six of the newspaper app lobsters who are still alive and return to the ocean. Lobsters in the San Diego area do yeah. not have pincers. What, what does that have to do with the story? I don't really know. And it, it, why is that? Are they removed or somehow? Or they, uh, is that just the way they... they... Is it a type of lo- type of species of lobster that does not have pincers? I'm not familiar with the world of lobsters. That's interesting. Um, no, in La Jolla, man, you you go uh, La Jolla, which is one of the most beautiful places on earth, but which is mind-bogglingly expensive. I mean, you want to talk about a place? I mean, I I bitch about San Diego being expensive, and my old neighborhood in San Diego, I, I lived in a neighborhood called Hillcrest. Uh, beautiful. Like Hillcrest. Yeah, Hillcrest, great place, beautiful I place. I have a neighborhood uh, called Hillcrest where I lived. Yeah, couldn't afford to live there now. I mean, the place, Laura and I, every, we were talking about this actually yesterday, Tim, because Timmy Ryan, I guess, is from is from Long Beach. I lived in Long Beach before I moved up here. Really? I hope we weren't neighbors. <laughs> Terrible thing to say. <laughs> Wait, why are you hoping that? No, I'm just, no, nothing. No, I just didn't live in one of the best areas, and I can see why he would come across as not being favorable to Long Beach. Uh, well, in any event, uh, but I was saying, you know, you do that thing when you go back to a place you used to live. You always drive by where, you, you know, your old apartment or whatever to see who's living there now and what's become of it. And, man, th- I I forget exactly how much we were paying, but I know that the last time we went back, it had more than doubled. I mean, th- the rent was like 150%, you know, like above what it had been. Uh, so if we were we were paying, let's say we were paying five, it was something like 1100 I, I mean, have it, a friend who just moved into one of my old apartments on Hawthorne who moved into my exact apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, which is written like that he's paying now. I lived there 
two years ago, and he's paying three hundred, no, two hundred dollars more Jesus. than I did. Yeah, I mean, so San Diego has gone through the roof at La Jolla. And they charge you to breathe in La Jolla. Yeah. I mean, you... Uh, so that's like uh, Santa Barbara South. It really is. And uh, that's where I saw the Farnsworth invention that the, that Aaron Sorkin played. But, um, but the beaches in La Jolla are all really protected. There's this place called Seal Rock and Seal Beach, uh, which is where, you know, seals obviously come to get some, you know, to get sun or, or warmth or whatever. And they Not got these... these seal. They What's that? Not the seal. Who's married to what's her name, the model. This is a different kind of seal. Yes, it's where a seal lays on a rock to get to the sun. <laughs> no, 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 don't go out there. No, no, no. No, no, no. Seal Beach. It's just Seal. Seal just laying down there. I can't sing Kiss from a Rose because that didn't really work here, but I'm just picturing Seal just sort of singing and, like, flopping around on a rock. Um, but, you know, but they got these guys who are stationed there around the clock, and if you if you touch anything, you take anything, uh, because they've got under, like, plants, if you take a piece of kelp with you, there was a guy with a stick who will come and beat you senseless. They don't let you touch anything there, so... Uh, yeah, the more expensive the neighborhood in Southern California, the less you're allowed to take home from the beach. Uh, here's Tim Riley. A Florida man concerned about the economy. Wait, where is he, Tim? That's not fair. Okay, he right, I even... cheated. One, two, three. Where? Orlando, Florida. Concerned about the economy and threatening to jump into traffic from an overpass, forced the closure of a busy Florida expressway for hours. Deputies were called to the overpass after the man was spotted on top of the structure... He said worries about the economy sparked the incident. The economy is what his biggest problem is right now, and he's not happy, says the sheriff's commanders. Negotiators were called to the scene to try to convince the man to leave the overpass. It was eventually tasered with the aid of an Orange County fire rescue bucket truck. It was taken to the hospital for a local uh, mental evaluation. Whatever. It's not happy. Get in line, friend. We're not all... Nobody's happy about the economy. I don't see us jumping off of things. Socialism. Uh, exactly. Hey, speaking of socialism, Tim, um, so I have, a, I have a question for you, and then I, there's an email I keep meaning to read here, and... This might not be the right time to, to, to really talk about it, but I wanted to, to read it. Uh, let's see. Where, where the hell did it go? I'll find it. Um, but, hey, did you, so I was talking to Lisa about this. Dude, this, this, this insanity that Barack Obama's talking about, about, I mean, maybe it's not insanity. Lisa seemed to think it was a good idea of, of putting a, a 90-day ban on home foreclosures. I read that somewhere, but I can't find the soundbite. Um, I, uh, they were talking about it last night on CNN. Barack Obama's talking about doing this 90-day moratorium on foreclosing on homes. And, again, Lisa seemed to think it was a good idea because it would allow people to do, to be, do refinancing. And so maybe that's true, but it, it, it does seem like in some ways it's just it is forestalling the inevitable for people who are in things they can't afford, period. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you a real dumb question, Tim, because I've never owned a home, I so I don't really questions. know. So, so please to tell me. Mm-hmm. And I know that everybody else who's an adult understands this, but I don't really know, and I bet Sarah doesn't know. So please forgive the daft nature of this. Go ahead. Be as dafty as you like. What does it mean mm-hmm. when someone refinances their home? Okay. Say you you buy a 30-year mortgage. Uh-huh. At 6.75%. Yes. When the interest rates drop to, say, 5.75%, then you can refinance that to the lower rate and pay a, a lower mortgage every month. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I – that so when, when you say refinancing, that just means you're dropping the interest rate on your home? Correct. Okay. So why, So is who does that benefit? Does it benefit everybody? Or does it only benefit the person who is paying the lower interest rate? Because it doesn't seem like it benefits the lender. But it benefits the people paying the higher interest rate than the lower one. But, but, was, but I guess my point is it benefits you if you can adjust it down to the lower rate, but it yes. doesn't seem like it benefits the lender. Yes, it does. Well, 
really not that much. There's not that much involved with the lender itself. Right. It's more, it benefits the consumer a little bit more. Does it, is it good for the economy when people can refinance? I would say so, yes. Okay, so maybe this is a good thing. So if he's going to, if, if, if Barack Obama's logic is he's going to uh, put a 90-day ban or moratorium anyway on foreclosing to give people you know, time to refinance, then maybe that is a good idea if that's good for the economy. It'll lower your monthly mortgage payment. Okay. And then there's so this, that does help. This weirdness of John McCain's where he's got like a six month. He's doing. He's going to say he's going to insure all savings like everywhere on the planet for six months. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on here that really doesn't help anything. No, and and but just people just sort of throwing out. Do you get the idea that they're just throwing out any idea that comes into their head? Well, it's it's a last minute political maneuvering, and people that really don't understand anything anyway. No, and I mean I, I certainly don't. I mean, minds are pretty much made up. But but I it just oh man, I was talking to a guy this morning. Um, for this outside project that I can't discuss. Uh, I guess I can discuss it. I can't tell you what it is or, uh, Where or it is. how you can enjoy it. Um, but I was talking to a pollster this morning. And, it, and I, to my friend Heather. And your hot friend Heather. Uh, and I did a good job, by the way, of... Where, uh, where did this talking take place? I can't say. Oh. In a local establishment? Um, a local media outlet. Okay. It will, uh, it's not, not airing yet. It will, just kind of... it will air later on. But uh, no, I I did a great job of uh, not being thrown off by how hot Heather is. Uh, So I was uh, I was able to stay focused. But boy, she's whip smart though. No, she's a pro, dude. It's I mean she's intimidatingly smart. Honestly, can I tell you? Will it sound creepy if I tell you a hot thing about Heather? Kind of. Have I already? Has that ship already sailed? Yeah, it's gone. I was just gonna say. Well, obviously, she's very. She's a very attractive. She's a very fetching young lady. She said the hottest thing though. We were talking about politics and campaigns and elections and polling and all of that. And this is not leading up to a joke about the word polling. Uh, but we were talking about, the, you know, how with the rise of the Internet and the removal of filters on traditional media, how campaigns evolve faster and they've gotten a lot uglier and negative campaigning uh, has really it's been boiled down to just an art form of just uh, of quasi, you know, slander. And so we're talking about this and about when things started to change in American politics. And Heather goes... Well, you know, I was just up late last night uh, reading this uh, in-depth analysis of Richard Nixon's uh, first run for governor, and uh, and I was just like, it's the hottest thing ever. There's like this, this like stunning girl sitting there uh, next to me talking about how for fun. She sits and reads things about Richard Nixon. Oh, and then she. Oh, and she writes. Yeah, she writes dissertations, and she she writes lectures. She's a teacher, so she has to write like an hour. Like, hour, two-hour lectures, like, every day. And then she followed it up with, oh, and then uh, let me tell you about one of my very favorite political cartoons. It's from uh, 1885, and it's about the presidential run of Andrew Jackson. And, you know, I love my wife. That's a, it's a given. Lard, soulmates, bond, all of that. Doesn't matter. I, I, am a, uh, I am just a man, though. So I'm sitting there, and it's Heather's going... So uh, I knew, I, like I knew that she would that she would do this to you. That's why I didn't give you much warning. Just for a whole lot of fun, uh, Rick. Sometimes I sit at home with an etch sketch and I draw pictures of the Electoral College map, and I'm just sitting there going, "Wow, I'm uh, I'm I'm a stupid guy. Boy, I'm easily manipulated." So. No, she's great to talk to too because she doesn't. She's smarter than you, but she doesn't act like she is. So I, I'll be like. I'm confused about this. Tell me about this. And she didn't just whip out dates. That's exactly that she was uh, she was answering all of my stupid, she ignorant questions without month. talking down to me. Like she can talk about a date in 1887, yeah. and she's like, oh, that was during the month of February in 1887. That's when that, pa- that yeah. passed, and that was when so-and-so was married. Just, you know, it was just ridiculous. With a dazzling smile upon her face, Sarah. <laughs> Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hello. 
man, that's funny. I can't even remember birthdays in my family, and she's remembering days from man, a, a date in history 100 years ago. It's all I can do to remember, like, how to find my way back home at the end of the show. I, my brain is just so full of Three's Company trivia. There's just, there's there's not room for anything else. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, how are you, Steve? How's life? How are things? Boy, has it been busy or what? It really has, uh, and it shows no signs of abating. I mean, they... They keep using the phrase financial meltdown here, um, but here's a question. In terms of like the sort of credit crisis, like have we are we at bottom? Have we passed the bottom? Is it? Well, no one, no one can say for sure. You know, yesterday's massive historic rally, the single largest one day jump in the Dow, has a lot of people saying the worst is behind us. But you know, that's really a Two definitive a statement to make at this point. There's still a lot of volatility in the marketplace. A lot can still go wrong before the dollars start flowing from Washington, D.C. So the answer to that question is we don't know yet. And so, can I just tell you this, by the way? Uh, Richard Quest, who is one of our favorite people in the whole world. Oh, yes. Uh, he was on, um, I think it was Anderson Cooper the other day, or Larry King was one of those. But, you know, those shows all kind of drift together for a while because I just taped the whole block. I just taped four hours of CNN every night. And so one show just kind of goes into another. But I'll talk about his actual content in a moment, but just in terms of Richard Quest. And if, if you don't know, Sarah, if we can, uh, if you don't know what Richard Quest uh, sounds like or who he is, he is this man right here. Right across his posterior. Yeah. And you just feel so bad for anybody else who's on a panel show with that guy, right? Because Anderson Cooper is, of course, very sort of cool and calm and collected and level-headed. And then you've got, you know, uh, you know, what is his name? Uh, Ali Velshi. Um, who Ali Velshi, who uh, you know, he knows what he's talking about. Not very flashy. You got the Susie Orman, who's you know a little bit sort of brusque and kind of kind of colorful. But, but Richard Quester comes in and goes, "Well, what's happening now is that the body economy is stretching all around the world, and these initial rescues have helped the legs of the body, but not the arms, and certainly not the head of the economic body." And you, and then they go, and then Anderson Cooper goes, well, uh, what about that, Susie? And it's just, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a clown on a unicycle juggling fire, and you're just going to look dull next to that guy. <laughs> you should see when he's on with Wolf Blitzer. You know how even-keeled Wolf is mm -hmm. during the course of his show? And then uh, and then Richard Quest comes on. It's it's like night and day. He's, uh, he's just fantastic. But um, so I guess at a certain point, the ripples in this pond may not be visible to the naked eye, but they're still out there. In other words, just because you're not hearing every day about something crashing or imploding or the economy rolling over and playing dead for two or three days, it doesn't necessarily mean that things, changes aren't happening underneath the surface. Because we have a lot of time for all this stuff to trickle down into the regular economy, right? Well, here's what happened today. Uh, the Treasury Department announced that it's going to put... $250 billion directly invested into nine major banks in the United States. So they're going to actually buy stock in nine big banks, $250 billion worth of stock, which means you and I, the taxpayers, our government is actually going to be part owners in the big banks. They're sort of quasi-nationalizing the banks by doing this. And uh, they believe that injecting this money into the banks is really going to go a long way Shoring them up to getting the credit market unfrozen. And yesterday, the traders on the stock floor anticipated this. They love this idea. They think it'll get the money flowing again. And that's why yesterday we had that record increase. And uh, today, it started off really big. It was up over 330 points in the, minute, uh, in the morning, but they retreated a little bit. 
So the Dow closed down 76 points today, but that's nothing compared to what we've been seeing, right? Hey, you know, has somebody there already done the sidebar story about Campbell's Soup and their stock? Do you know no. what I'm talking about? No. Do you realize well, that... that people are buying Campbell's Soup because they did in the impression, uh, Depression, right? That actually on that, uh, I was going to say, that one day when we had that huge loss, uh, but the, the very first of that series of days, uh, that day where it just cratered by like, God, I don't know, like 777 points, I think. Right. The all, literally, the only stock that went up was Campbell's Soup. That was it, period. That's it. So there is something to be, uh, you know, there's something to be said. There's some sort of, uh, there's some some lesson to be drawn from that, or at least a, there's sort of an interesting piece about, you know, the, the so-called comfort stocks. Because I was saying the other day that my, you know, my wife has this in some, some sin fund where it's like money just invested in like gambling, cigarettes, whiskey and weapons or something and i was saying there ought to be an idiocracy fund where you just you you know you invest in companies that make things that uh, the dumb americans will always buy no matter what shape the economy's in but there ought to be some mutual fund that just puts you into companies that make comfort items you know it's funny you say that cuz there was one of the days when the when the stock market dropped an incredible amount and costco was one of the only stocks that was actually up in positive territory that day. Right. So, yeah, people are buying buy the big comfort things that, that, that'll last them for a long time when the economy starts to go south. Um, are you on tomorrow for the debate, or is that somebody else? I, I, I plead ignorance. I'm not sure. I'm going to be on in the morning, really super early, okay. uh, 6 a.m. our time, because it's 3 a.m. your time. So we will probably not speak to you tomorrow, then. Yeah, maybe if you know when you guys are getting out of the bar, you can give me a call and see how it's going. But uh, what time do the bars close in Portland? Sarah? 2.30. Oh, 2.30. Okay. What time is last call? Uh, 2.15. Well, it depends. Like, so they stop of, serving it? Usually the last call, because a lot of bars do bar time, which means right. it's 15 minutes sure. ahead. Right. So they'll usually probably call last call at, at 2 and then kick you out at 2.15. Uh, but in New York, you can just drink all night, right? Until mm, 4 in the morning, yeah. Until 4, and then and then they start up again at 10. Uh, it, they start at 10? They start at 10? It's legal to start serving alcohol at 10 a.m. Dude, you can start here at 7. You can start drinking at 7. Seven. Wow. What is wrong with you? Hey, do you know that I, I took a defensive driving course yes, uh, this weekend, and I learned that uh, if you're uh, over a certain uh, over the legal uh, limit for driving while intoxicated, blood alcohol, do you know that when you wake up in the morning at 930 in the morning, you're still drunk legally? Yeah. Look, I'm not trying to encourage any sort of irresponsible behavior, but when they say stuff like that, don't you just don't you, part of you wonder if they're just if they're overstating it just because, you know, just because that's what they do? I found that I found that shocking because that means a lot of times I was out there uh, breaking the law. You know, I I, I sort of wonder about that sometimes. I mean, that's it's like they uh, they'll tell you the same thing about um, well even about coffee. They'll say you know if you drink coffee at six o'clock at night you are still feeling the effects of caffeine at six a.m. That which is just a lie. That's that's just a lie. I always wonder though if that's if that's just a little bit of propaganda. If they always want to err on the side of caution. You know what I mean? Like if if the man tells you that. Because it's like when they, um, when you get any kind of prescription drug, they will deliberately sort of, uh, what's the word? They will sort of, they will deliberately tell you that you are impaired at a lower level. Sometimes you really are, or that you overdose at a certain, you know, level. I think, but it's always vastly overstated. And I think that because they want to err very much on the side of caution. So I sometimes wonder about that. I don't know. I mean, they were saying that, you know, if you have like one shot an hour or one beer an hour, it takes like two hours, an additional two hours to get that alcohol out no, of your but system. But see, but that, that, that's not, I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's not what they taught me in science class. In science class, they taught me 
that your body processes, although I guess I'm talking about ounces, uh, an ounce of alcohol per hour. Hmm. That if you drink, in other words, they told me that if you drink one ounce of alcohol per hour, you will not get drunk. Uh, if you exceed that, and this is an average, obviously, but if you exceed that, you'll get drunk. But that your body can process one ounce of alcohol per hour. Huh. But it's like, but it's not. It depends on the alcohol. It's like it can process one beer or one shot or one glass of wine. Yeah, I learned that in the defensive driving course. There's different levels of alcohol in each one of these drinks, so it's really not one shot equals one beer. You know what has the the most alcohol concentration? I do not. Wine coolers. Oh, that doesn't surprise me, actually. I think I, I think I remember hearing that in high school, because that's why you would always go to these parties, and there would just be the big two-liter thing of California Cooler, which yeah, is like just... I didn't just, even know people still drink wine coolers. I thought that was a 70s Three's Company thing. Uh, it, was a, it was an 80s thing, uh, because I... This is just a fact. I'm kids. I'm not. Rick Emerson is not a role model. Uh, do not live as I have lived. It was a popular thing in the 80s because you just got to call it what it is. It was easy to get girls drunk with wine coolers because they're very sweet and they don't taste alcoholic at all. And so you didn't have to create a mixed scene you know, because a lot of times, you know, guys, you know, guys are pigs. And so guys will just create a mixed drink that is very sweet but very alcoholic. And, you know, to get girls all uh, kind of liquored up. But uh, with, Cali with California coolers, I say singling out that one beverage. But with wine coolers, they were just so sweet to begin with that you didn't have to make anything. You could just serve it to girls, and they get all plastered. So, mm. anyway. Well, well this I, is... was, I was shocked, because if that's the case, there are many mornings where, where the night before I wasn't driving, but the next morning I got behind the wheel of the car, and, and I guess if I got pulled over, I would have blown uh, over the legal limit. So let's recap here. So yes. in this call, you've discussed your many, many incidents of drunken driving in the past. I've talked about many, many incidents of underage drinking where the sole goal was to get girls boozing so that they would lose all of their sense of judgment and, and inhibition. And Sarah has wisely kept quiet, except to note that you can drink at 7 a.m. here in Portland. No, but I'm saying, one of the questions on my, just so we're clear on the alcohol thing, on the, my OCC test, it's 12 ounces of beer uh, is equal to four ounces of wine is equal to one and a half um, ounces of liquor. Interesting. Ah, okay. Right. Well, there you go, sir. All right, on that note, uh, big expectations for tomorrow. Is there any way McCain can pull this out of the fire? You know, McCain uh, has given us indications that it's actually going to get a little dirty tomorrow. Sweet. And they're going to talk, uh, talk about, he said on an interview today, uh, a radio station interview, that, uh, yeah, the the airs thing will probably come up at this debate. That Sarah's just shaking her head. Yeah. Honestly, it was just it was so juvenile last time. It's going to get even worse. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like, you know, McCain is really going to, Take the gloves off this time around and, and throw some some wild roundhouse punches. Well, uh, you know, it, look, the last one was juvenile but boring. I'll take juvenile and entertaining or interesting at least. So, mm -hmm. All right, my friend, as always, have a great day. We will talk to you probably then not tomorrow but uh, the day after. So uh, enjoy your Wednesday, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, sir. Okay, so long. Go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. This email says, Rick, what about people who got foreclosed on last week or the week before? Are they SOL if Obama's freeze kicks in, or do those folks get another bite at the apple, uh, keeping in mind they've already been booted from their homes? So, I don't know. That is the, uh, that's the problem with creeping socialism, is it uh, seems kind of scattershot. Here's Tim Riley. They made national news an Oregon man. Weighs in with the most gargantuan gourd in the world for the second year in a row, 1,528 pounds. So you must be very proud of What kind of gourd is this? It's, I don't know what kind of gourd that is. Because a gourd is, like, that's just a type of... That's like a family, right? I That's like a pumpkin so. or maybe a kumquat or a squash. Mm -hmm. But it is a gourd. All right. You know what I don't like is acorn squash. Don't care for it. Don't care for it at all. We won't force you to eat it. Thank you. Uh, let's see. 
Do we want to have pincers, alcohol, foreclosures, or refinance? They're all about equal. Your choice. Oh, well, all right then. We'll let the uh, we'll let the random button on the phone decide. Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, two things, Rick. Uh, first of all, when you refinance, the company that refinances you charges you. They charge you like six thousand or ten thousand dollars to refinance. So you've got to kind of weigh out if you're gaining right, enough if, to make it worthwhile. If it's from a commercial entity, usually a bank won't. All right. Okay. But uh, anyway, the, the the pinchers, those are the those are the pinchers, right? The claws. Yeah, the lobsters. Yeah. Well, they mentioned that in the story because I mean, if they think had claws, then you probably could have made that a penis wash. Because they were down his pants, so yeah. that's why they were noting they were to answer the unasked but implicit question. She'll tell you. No, no. Thank <laughs> you. This call started off well, ended badly. Thank you. There's no call for that, sir. No. What about his Linus? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick Serratim, Jesse from Red Office. Hello, sir. Hello. Hey, I sent you an email, you bastard. You sent me an email? I sent you an email like, I don't know, like weeks ago about something. You don't, uh, you don't, you don't respond. You don't call. Well, I guess you call. Did you, did you do it to the Red Office one or to my, my personal one? I don't know. I'll resend it. It's about something else. Uh, my personal one uh, disappeared for some reason. I can't log into my Yahoo at all. And all I right. called them. Have you ever tried to find Yahoo's phone number? Oh, dude. Uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> I will say Yahoo this. Yahoo did that to me too. The only reason that I that I can find Yahoo's phone number is because I actually pay. I use Yahoo Premium, so I pay like X dollars a month uh, for that, which is great because they give me 24-hour phone service anytime I need it at all. But, yeah, if you're using Yahoo's free service, you are effed. You I, are effed. I can just yeah. walk over to their office where I live. Really? I know where they are. You well, the funny thing is I, I use the Yahoo search engine to uh -huh. look for Yahoo's phone number. Nothing. I use Google. <laughs> got their phone number. That's hilarious. Yeah, pretty right. great. How can I help you, sir? Uh, so I was talking about the uh, foreclosure and refinancing, that thing. Yes. But, you know, um, the people that can't afford their houses now, it's not that they couldn't afford them the whole time. When they first got the house, they got a uh, fixed interest rate for two years, five years, and then after that time was up, it went to a variable interest rate, which usually, you know, it goes never goes down. It goes up. So it could double their interest rate, which means their mortgage payment will go up hundreds of dollars. Right. So a lot of these people will buy these houses. The houses would, you know, maybe increase in value, and then they would um, uh, go to refinance, and their credit wasn't good enough if they racked up a bunch of credit card debt or whatever, where they couldn't refinance when their rate went to a variable interest rate. So now their payment is twice what it was before. Now they can't afford it. Tim, does that sound about right? Uh-huh. All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank so that, in other words, they, they got an arm instead of a fixed rate to begin with. That right. That was what they did wrong. They got an arm. All right. If you give them 90 days where the banks can start loaning people money again, maybe these people can refinance and lock into a you know 40-year fix that they can afford. All right. Excellent. Thank you for the clarification, sir. Thanks, Rick. I'll already send you an email. Thank you. All right. Right. We'll talk. Right, thanks. So the trick was to begin with a fix, but a lot of people couldn't qualify for the fix, so they took the arm. Which makes it even more complicated. Has somebody done so the they lose an arm has, because of the arm. I was going to say, has somebody, has somebody done the obligatory, you know, uh, home loans costing people an, an arm, arm and, and a leg. leg. Yeah. Sorry. Here's Tim Riley. Do a few more, we'll break. Well, let's listen to some uh, soundbite, shall we? We haven't in a while. John oh. McCain says he will make sure that the hundreds of billions of dollars used to bail out Wall Street won't be wasted. We needn't uh, further to enrich the very people who started this, said he. I will not play along with the same Washington games and gimmicks that got us into this terrible mess in the first place. 
More sound bites that mean nothing. He says he will stop wasteful government spending. The hard-earned savings Americans should not be penalized by the erratic behavior of politicians. It will not be enough for the federal government to correct the excesses of Wall Street without reforming its own reckless practices. Uh, do you get the feeling when you watch John McCain? Are you this is, an election from the 1980s? Well, yeah, and this is sort of a variation on a, on a theme. This is, a, this is sort of a, a sidebar to a discussion we had last week, but my wife made this observation. She said that when you watch John McCain, don't you almost get the sense that you're watching it from a year from now when it's already over? In other words, you can already see, you can already see how this is going to play out. You can already see how it's going to end, and you can already see the retrospective that's going to be done on this. You can you can already see how this will be dissected and analyzed once he has lost, which I do believe he will. Uh, and that's, I'm not endorsing, that costs money. But I'm saying, you know, I think all things being equal, unless there's just some staggering F up on Obama's part, or unless McCain literally starts curing lepers on television, there's no way. It's, a, it's, a, it's over. He's, he's not going to win. But... um but you, don't you feel like you can already in your head fast forward to to everybody analyze doing the postmortem on this campaign on this you know of his and trying to figure out why it didn't work? And Lara also made the point that it's sort of as frustrating and as irritating and as maddening as John McCain and, and, and all politicians, but in this case John McCain, as, as sort of grating as he is. You also get this kind of sense of sadness, I think, because you are seeing a guy who is just being taken apart by the system. I mean, he is just being taken apart live on television by the political process. They have taken this guy, this once, I don't mean to sound too corny, but he this once honorable, sort of independent, free-thinking guy, you know, with whom maybe I disagree, but who, who did seem to have a lot of his, you know, the courage of his convictions. They have taken just this very, very independent, upstanding guy, and the system has just... You are seeing it just shredding him live on television. He's being taken apart by the by the machine, uh, and it's it's just depressing. It's depressing to me more than anything. So. The, the, the problem with the the machine behind him is in such urgent need of fresh blood. Right. They're going back to really old campaign plans that have nothing to do with what's going on now. Right. Now it's you know what he reminds they, me. Of? They need a new Carl Rove, basically. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they John McCain at this point. Reminds me of uh, reminds me of Doc Ock in uh, in Spider Man Two. You know what I mean? Where you know he's been strapped into the he he has been strapped into this sort of machinery around him. Uh, he's been made half man, uh, half machine, and so he's all sort of cyborg. And it, but he is losing his humanity. So now all that remains is for all that remains is for John McCain to use his octopus arms to bring down the building around him and say, "I will not die a monster." That's it. That's the only way out for him at this point, is just to end it with dignity. So, uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back more from Tim Riley, because I think we've gotten to three news stories today between our various discussions of Steve Kasterbaum's drinking and Bugs Bunny cartoons. Well, these have all been important topics. They have. They have, Tim. All right. Still to come, more of your phone calls if you're on hold. Hang tight. Uh, later on, Nina Parker from TMZ, Clergy Watch, another installment of the greatest songs ever made, and more from Tim Riley around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Like, um, let's say you're driving along the road with your family, and you're driving along, la la la, woo, and then all of a sudden there's a truck tire in the middle of the road, and you hit the brakes. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> 
Now let's see what happens when you're driving with the other guy's brake pads. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden the kids are yelling from the back seat, I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy. Not now, damn it. Truck tire. I can't stop. There's a cliff. And your family's screaming, Oh, my God, we're burning alive. No, I can't feel my legs. In comes a meat wagon. And the medic gets out and says, Oh, my God. New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. All because you want to save a couple extra pennies. And to me, it doesn't get out. Now. Do you validate? Now. That's by request for Tim Riley. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, uh, Nina Parker from TMZ, Clergy Watch. Uh, another installment of the greatest songs ever made. Oh, did I reveal that Casey Aldridge is the new father? Of course. All right. And that Courtney Cox's husband was caught with beauty? Presumably not Courtney Cox. All right. By the way, if you look at the cover of the new Inquirer, there's this article that said, Prison Gangs Target O.J. Source says he'll be dead within weeks. Oh, my God. Which is great. Uh, but then, but then the, what really sells it is this picture of O.J. And it is... I'll have to describe it for you, but you know exactly what I mean. It is though he's taken a huge breath and is sort of exhaling like a... But he's doing it in that way that his cheeks puff up as he's exhaling through his mouth. It's sort of a, well, what can you do? So... His reaction to uh, apparently he'll be dead within weeks is apparently as well, crap. So there you go. Let's all look at OJ's reaction. Oh my God. He'll be dead within weeks. There you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's sort of a that sucks kind of a thing. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Oh Tim, I meant that. So you were gone yesterday. I was uh, gone yesterday. So actually, I did come home. Mad Men. I watched it last night. How great was that? You know, I had to go back and read Peter Carlin's column. On the episode, which is fantastic, I have it posted on on uh, my blog today, because I couldn't figure out why he passed out, and I I didn't know notice uh, uh, originally that he was in Palm Springs. Yeah, and you're just not used to that kind of heat. Heat stroke, right? Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't figure out why that was, and I didn't know he was in Palm Springs, so that corrected that. Um, oh, by the way, we should just speaking of Peter Carlin, we should note that tomorrow we're going to be carrying the final uh, presidential debate right here on this very fun radio station from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, it'll be, uh, the wraparound coverage by, I guess, Dick Giuliano, maybe? I, I have to plead ignorance on that, actually. I'm not sure. Uh, but CNN Radio doing the wraparound coverage, but running commentary during tomorrow night's debate from Tim Riley, myself, and Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin. So that is uh, tomorrow, final presidential debate with running commentary by Tim Riley, myself, and Peter Carlin. Uh, but that episode of Mad Men is really wonderful, and it's the penultimate episode. Next week is the final episode of the season. Oh, no. Yeah. I was, we were having this big debate this morning, Chris Paddock and Susan and I, because Paddock kept insisting there were two more. He kept saying, no, 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 there's two more. And I kept saying, no, 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 there's one more, dude. And the, the way you can always tell is when the showrunner, you know, the guy who created, in this case, Matthew Weiner, mm-hmm. when he starts writing the episode, you know that you're getting close to the end of the season. Because those guys typically, like it was this way with David Chase and The Sopranos, or Josh Whedon on Buffy, where he would write the opening episode and the closing episode, and then maybe like a very special episode halfway through. 
Uh, it was really quite something, this Sunday of Mad Men. One of the best it, ever. It really was. I had to go back a second time and watch it because yeah. there was just so much stuff in it. Exactly. And there was so much craftsmanship going into each and every one of these episodes. It was a beautiful. I mean, and the scenes were beautiful. Did you notice uh, in this Sunday's Mad Men that there was a moment toward the end when Don Draper is sitting on a couch and he actually strikes the logo mm-hmm. pose? Because uh, you know, there's that black and white logo they use for the show where it's him from the back and you see his arm draped over a sofa and he actually struck that pose at one point, which is beautiful. And I noticed the internet knows I like Mad Men because an ad flash in my right-hand corner said, said, dress like Don Draper, order these suits online. Wow, that's creepy. Isn't it creepy? That's completely cr- Dress like Don Draper? Dress like Don Draper. It actually said that? Custom-fitted suits. Okay, here's the stupid thing is I would totally click on that. Did I you did. did you click on it? <laughs> there you go, the power of advertising. And how great, by the way... That the ad you responded to was for Mad Men, which is itself a show about advertising. That's a full snake-eating-its-tail kind of a thing. I was shocked, of course. I couldn't resist. Just like Don Draper. Okay. Um, oh, dude, you, were, well, you weren't here yesterday when I had this whole breakdown on the air about my misshapen body. Uh, what about, misshapen body? Well, it, just long story short, uh, and I, I don't talk about it. Oh, yeah, it. you missed the whole clothes discussion yesterday. And I haven't discussed it a lot because I don't want to sound like a jerk. But, uh, you know, I don't want to be like, look at look at me and how great I am. You were here when we were discussing that I've lost a little bit of weight recently. Yes. And you noted that I was thinner but not thin. Are you? Do you exercise or is it just you're eating healthy? I just cut out crap. That's all it is. I mean, so that's I That's why ate... you're kind of disproportioned because you need to burn off that excess. Oh, there's no muscle. I got no muscle. Yeah. I'm still skin and fat. You know what I'm talking about. Just, uh, you know, just less fat. Um... No, because I realized, not that anybody really cares, but the two things I did is I removed uh, Kraft macaroni and cheese from my diet, which sucks. It was hard to do. I've been off it a week and a half. I slipped once. Because it's like 3,000 calories, man. I mean, I love it. Don't get well, me wrong. It doesn't even matter how many calories. Like the Easy Mac is 220 calories for one of those things, but at the same time, your body can, can't process it. Right. It's just it pure, just in there. pure starch and sodium. That, and I have stopped uh, eating after dinner. I no longer snack at night because what I realized is... Seven. Yeah. You have to do it before 7. Because I watch a lot of TV at night. You know, I'll sit in the sofa and just dwell, you know, dwell in whatever. Just sit there and roll around in the, you know, in CNN or the Shield or whatever. But I realized that every, and this is, I know, a thing a lot of people do. But every single time I would sit down to watch TV and it, hand in hand with that would be going and getting something for the cupboard. And I'm not trying to lecture on how to lose weight. I mean, I don't really know. I'm just saying for me, I realized every time I was watching TV, I would get out a thing of like uh, chips or of like... You know, whatever. I would make food or I would get something. And it's always the worst possible crap late at night. I would, Or I would like, I need a snack. Maybe I'll go to the store. And so I would go to the store and buy crap and I would eat it while I was watching TV at night. And that's just... So I stopped doing that. And it's amazing how much that did, which is sort of scary because you realize exactly how much crap you were eating before when you did that. You know, when when just that's enough, you realize how badly you were treating your body. Um, but uh, Mad Men... Wait. Oh, anyway, so speaking of dress like Don Draper, mm-hmm. so I lost a little, little bit of weight, and so I had to, you know, kind of adjust my clothing a little bit, and so while the, je- I, with jeans, it was easy. I was just, I just went down one size, done and done, and, you know, it's not a big, it's like, this is not an endorsement, but I, you know, I go to the Gap because it's easy, and the, 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 I know what cut to get, and it always fits me, and it's, it looks good, and it's basic, but it works for Shirts, though, man, I'm all, I'm all effed. I'm completely, because apparently I've got an abnormally long torso. So I guess my torso and Todd. You're the, like a popsicle. Todd the corpse said he has the same problem. He says he can either he wear squishy white men. Totally. Mm-hmm. And he's got, a, I guess, a torso that is way taller than it's supposed to be. So he said he can either wear a shirt like a t-shirt that's too big, or he can wear a shirt that fits him through here, 
but that comes right to the top of his belt line, meaning it shows off like about a micrometer of, of skin, and that's just unpleasant. It I wear like you're... underneath every single one of my shorts because I, too, have a freakishly long torso, so that's yeah. why I wear these. I have like 17 black tank tops that I wear underneath all of my shirts because they never come down to hitting my waist. And so that's my thing. It's like if I, if I don't, I have to wear then layers if I'm going to wear a, lay, wear a T-shirt. And so the woman at the Gap tried to be really nice. She was like, well, you know what? Maybe you should go online and get one of our specialty shirts that is, uh, you know, tall. And I went, and my torso is actually so weirdly tall, they don't even make the cut for me. They don't even make the kind of shirt that I need. So not only am I really, I'm, I'm not only am I unable to dress uh, like Don Draper, I'm actually unable to dress like me circa six months ago. So I've got nothing, Tim. Nothing. Well, I'm sure everything will be fine. <laughs> you don't mean that, but I appreciate you saying it anyway, Tim. You need to find a personal shopper. Oh, you know, but I'm well. I have a personal shopper. Her name is Sarah. Right. But that doesn't help if they don't make clothing that fits me. That's the thing. Sarah can tell me what patterns and styles and cuts to wear. If I'm just some mutant, which apparently I am, at least from the waist up, mm-hmm. uh, that's not going to help me at all. I got nothing. And plus, the colors have to be right for, for the correct situation. Exactly. And no white shoes after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Don't, the... worry, don't worry. I shirt the same color as the speckled building you're standing in front of. Hey, and real quickly, we'll talk to Nina Parker in a moment, then we'll do a few more headlines, then we'll uh, then we'll break probably. Uh, real quickly, I have a question. So a regular button-up shirt, like the one I'm wearing now. Button-down shirt. Now, see, I said that. But somebody corrected me. They said button-down means that the collar has those tiny buttons that secure it. Hmm. Somebody corrected me. He said a shirt is button-up if it buttons in the front. It is a button-down shirt if the collar has its own buttons to keep it affixed. All right, I'll accept that. See, doesn't it sound plausible? It sounds plausible, but I've never heard it referred to like that. Me either, but I'm afraid of looking like a tool, so I'm just going to say that. Uh, this A shirt like this that one That one here, does fit, but it does look a little wider. Yeah, see? so I, A little wider, yeah. But So a regular, just a button-up shirt like this, if I take it to a tailor, can they adjust a shirt that's too big and make it fit me? Oh, uh, yes. Is it, ex- is it incredibly expensive? A little bit. Because i got a closet full of shirts that aren't going to fit me now, and I want to throw that. I paid you know, for, for a little things. bit of money, my friend Jay is a... Um, He's a really good seamstress, and he could do that. He's really? Like, he's fixed one of my shirts for me. One of the, actually, one of the AM 970 ones when um, it was really billowy, and he he put a couple seams along the sides. And so if I took him like the button the button up shirts from my closet, goes like ah, these don't fit me anymore. He could make them fit, sure or or could. someone could make them fit. They yeah. can do that. That's what a tailor does. Yes. All right. I didn't know if they could. I thought they could. It would pants. I didn't know it was shirts. Oh, shirts too. Yeah. This is the price I pay for being a rube, Tim. I don't know who does what. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com. A uh, woman who cares not at all about my fashion crises, Nina Parker. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm a little neurotic. How are you? <laughs> Always that way as well, so yeah. I feel your pain. No, it's just, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm just, I'm going to cut to the chase here. I'm just trashy, and I always have been, but sort of a, a byproduct of trashiness is you realize there's all kinds of knowledge you don't have, like me probably creating gales of laughter in everybody by saying, can a tailor fix my shirt, which I think everybody on earth probably knows, and I'm like the last guy to get the memo. So I love your fashion humility. Well, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> all right, so um, so what is it? What is up in the world of uh, what is up in the world of TMZ? I know that. So are DJ AM and Travis Barker are they both out now? Are they both recovering? Yeah. Travis Barker is not out. DJ AM uh-huh. okay. is actually recovering a little bit faster. Travis Barker is still hospitalized, being treated in um, a burn center out here in Los Angeles. DJ AM is back at home. He, I mean, I don't know if we can say he's 100% well, but he's getting back to work because he's officially going on tour with Jay-Z. It's going to be a multi-state tour. We don't know if he's going to tour with Jay-Z the whole length of this his run, but we know for sure that they'll be touring together. He's actually going to be with him tomorrow night in Hollywood, opening up uh, a new theater. 
Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, it's because we, you know, and those guys, as we were saying at the time, you go into a burn clinic. I mean, that's that's serious trouble. I mean, that's uh, you know, and I, I know I'm sort of stating the obvious here, but that is not that's not a broken bone. So I'm I'm right. glad to hear that he's uh, that he's. Uh, is there a timeline uh, on Travis Barker and sort of his recovery? You know, there's not. He said that he, you know, for he's been a vegetarian for about 25 years, and he said that he's actually back to eating meat. He's doing everything he can to help his body recover fully, so he can be with his children. So right now, there is an estimated time, but he is healing better than he was before, especially now that he's began to eat meat. So uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, hear that, Tim? Meat is the key to a healthy you. <laughs> I don't have any burns on me. Yeah. I wear sunscreen too. Okay. Uh, let's see, uh, what else do we have? Oh, first of all. I didn't even, forgive me, I didn't even know Madonna had a movie coming out. Uh, I guess maybe I sort of block her movies uh, out of my consciousness as soon as they're released. But what, what is her What is her new movie? And I guess I guess it premiered last night or it debuted? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I really didn't dig into much of what her movie was about. We know, we know she had a big premiere. The big thing for us was that Guy Ritchie wasn't there. Uh, we hear he is actually shooting a movie, so that definitely could be why he wasn't around. Usually, though, for these kind of things, the other spouse kind of flies in to kind of go to the event with the other. But this time, uh, he stayed home. And we did hear that Alice Rodriguez has been having uh, meals with her and hanging out with her in New York while Guy is out filming this movie. So we don't know really what's going on, but um, you'd think that she kind of steer clear of him since he had kind of been an issue in his in his divorce. Well, look, and... I I don't want it to seem like a know-it-all, but I mean, I, Guy Ritchie making a movie, maybe he's not. Don't they have uh, what are those things called? Airplanes now? Right. <laughs> and mean, you know, sometimes people get swept up in their work, but usually for premieres, big things like that, uh, the spouse usually flies in for at least a night. So. By the way, it, it should indicate all that we really need. I mean, her, Madonna's movie career can be summed up in the fact that we're really talking about the fact that her husband wasn't there, but none of us really knows anything about the movie she made, right. <laughs> and we're not really that interested in finding out. I. Yeah, you know the the energy it would take to find out the name of Madonna's film. I, I could spend that. The, I could spend that energy tying one of my shoes. So, uh, and then finally, um, so there's like I know there's this this whole there was the whole bust up between John Mayer and and, and right. Jennifer Aniston. First of all, it just seems like she she is like the queen of picking the wrong guy. Uh, yeah, like, I mean. What the deal is? Is she, you know, I'm sure she has well intentions in the relationship. She was great at the at the start. We know that John Mayer and Jennifer Aniston kind of called it quits a little while ago, and a lot of people were kind of bummed because they thought they'd make it. But we did confirm that they hung out this weekend in New York. They uh, ate at an Italian restaurant and were photo together. So it looks like they they didn't have a clean breakup as everyone thought. They actually we find found out have been keeping in touch. So they're not quite together, but they're not quite broken up. They're in that kind of middle ground that couples have so uh it could go either way right now that we're hearing well i'd say we're all pulling for her she is america's sweetheart i uh i would say that every i don't know anybody who dislikes jennifer aniston i mean even people who maybe aren't partial to her uh but i don't really know anybody that goes that ah, jennifer aniston uh, i despise her uh, everybody yeah, yeah i don't know everybody's i mean even if they have an opinion it's kind of bland like eh, i can i can leave her or take her it's not that big of a deal so uh, no hatred towards she's her. sort of the ferris bueller uh right. of uh you know Polly. we're all kind of all the guys at the station house are pulling for her, so all right, Nina Parker, as always, a pleasure. I know you get a busy schedule. We'll let you go. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. All right, you have a good one. All right, there you go. Nina Parker from TMZ. All right. Hello, Tim. Hello. So, Sarah, should we break here? Uh, on KCMD Portland. On KCMD Portland. Uh, we still got to touch And we have to touch to Richie about his audition for this cabaret comedy troupe oh, yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, we have to go through the pictures on the air. I still haven't seen any of them. Tim, oh, have I you seen have. them? Sarah? Oh, or, yeah, I, I've seen them, but you don't look yet. You won't right, be able I'll to wait. get them out of your head once you've seen them. Oh, that's great. Please, Lord, erase these. No, no, no. I'm so glad you're back. Have I mentioned that? You know, Timmy Ryan. Be home. 
Timmy Ryan is his own interesting flavor, but really, you're uh, you're better than the best thing ever, Tim, Tim Riley. Really, it's true. Why, thank you. All right, back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Hey, so I hate to be this guy. Somebody stole the pushpins out of our Why So Serious poster. Who would do that? You know what I'm? You see what I'm talking about? Oh, so lovely. There was like a whole series. We had it pushpinned down every corner. Somebody, and I, had, I went out and actively found those pushpins. Somebody stole the pushpins out of our Why So Serious poster here in the studio. Hmm. Not as bad as taking Visa, but come on. Come on. Do I need to put, do I need to put up a sign to say not steal a Dear bastard, dear Stephen McGee, bastard pushpin. You don't steal a guy's pushpins. Steal the pushpin. Seriously, just be a man. Go buy your own. Jesus. Is it the time we've all been waiting for? No, by that, you mean Richie? Uh, before we do that, let me say this, and then we'll talk to Richie about his audition to be a cross-dressing comedy guy. Um, Drag queen. Drag I'm sorry. Queen. Uh, so Friday, the... Uh, Friday, the Costco guy is going to be in the kitchen. There's the, like the fly, the sad flyer up in the kitchen. Uh, and let me go, don't get me wrong. I love Costco. It's a great business. It's great. Is to... the flyer tax on the wall with a pushpin? No, it's up with Scotch tape. Mm-hmm. But you know the thing where he's trying to get memberships, and basically everybody just goes to buy to see him because they got free, you know, free muffins. And they wait for him to take a bathroom break so that you don't have to talk to him, and then just go and steal a muffin. Totally, because you're like, so, because because it's like that weird guilt trip. It's like our Reader's Digest used to do this thing of sending you a penny. Uh, back in the 50s, they would send you a penny with a subscription card. And they said that psychologically speaking, they found that a lot of people were like, oh, they sent me a penny. I guess I got to subscribe. And so people would, it sounds dumb, but people would subscribe to Reader's Digest because of the guilt trip from this penny. So he'll sit in there, and it must be the same at your business. Everywhere they do, he just sits there with a big case of, of Costco muffins, which are great. And he just sits in a sad folding chair. So, uh, hi. Hey, how's it going? Dave, muffins here. Chocolate and, uh, hey, that's great. Just take it. Yeah, just, okay, well, I'll be here. I, I mean, if you want to. poppy seed. If you want to come back, I'll, here till 11. Hmm. And he just sits there for an hour, and I'm with you. You wait for him to be gone, because otherwise you have to go in there and, hey, I'm, uh, I'm just here for the muffin. Goodbye. You take it, and you yoink, and you just back. So I wonder if that hurts the Costco man's feelings. Well, we're going to find out. So he's going to be in the kitchen uh, from 10 to 11 on Friday, according to the flyer. So I'm calling dibs on the Costco man, everybody, you <gasps> bastards. At 11 o'clock? The Costco man doesn't want to come on. And he'll come on. Okay. If he thinks it's going to close him one membership, he'll come on. If he's a you probably get, Maybe he can get, um, like, sympathy Costco exactly. subscription. If he's any kind of salesperson, he'll come on. Uh, so I'm going to ask him if it makes him sad when people just come take the muffins and go. And then also... <laughs> I'm gonna also we're gonna we're gonna discuss uh, Costco and whether or not Costco is a place where you can be safe from the zombie apocalypse, because every time I say that it is, all these people call up and they email me and there's, there was a big MySpace posting the other day, some guy dismantling my whole notion that Costco will keep you safe from the undead. So, uh, all right, now let's get this call and then we'll talk to Richie. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. It's a small, sad, sad little man that takes pushpins. I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, buy your own push. It's not like it's not like they're gold. Go to the store. Buy a pushpin. Come on. Uh, quickly, if you really enjoy the mac and cheese, now it's something you don't want. I mean, you don't want to have it every day. But if you do work out, even like three, four days a week for right. like 30, 40 minutes, you can have it, and your metabolism will be high enough that you can burn it off. So keep that in mind. But the reason I'm phoning is, 
I don't. I know you have the technology, the ability to do this, but if you play back the lobster story when Tim was reading it for the first time, mm-hmm. the guy has uh, what sounds like an Asian name that has three names in it. Right. Tim read the guy's name three times, and every time he read it, it was completely different. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. Actually, I did, <laughs> I think I caught it being different at least twice, but I didn't realize it was every single time. And, and the last and the last one was the worst. It was just it was the the first two were like Fonduck Toe and then Fonduck Tree, and the last one was like Ming Nang Wong. <laughs> so if you could, I don't know if you if you have the time if you want to reset that, but it would trust me, it would be worth it. And what better way to welcome Tim back? Excellent. No, I'm with you, sir. Okay, I'll see if I can dig it up. All right, All right, thank you. All right, there you go. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, uh, the one and only Richie Bristol. Joining us now in the studio, let me adjust the microphone. Did you find this push pins, Richie? All right. Richie, you're awesome. Thank you, Richie. Hello. How are you? Now, you're on day what of quitting smoking? Six? Uh, six, but, I mean, I cheated because up till this weekend, I was I tried those pouches. Right. Until Saturday. But, I mean, you haven't smoked, at least. No. And that's a different, you know, and people can say that's that it's... That's a different creature. Yeah, people can say that it's cheating, but obviously a lot of the uh, cigarette is the, uh, you know, it's the, you know, whatever, the, the oral fixation or habit or whatever they go, you know, they're, they're putting it in your mouth. So you've got a toothbrush in your mouth right now. Yeah, today's going very slow. you got to find a better stuff to do that. <laughs> you can't just be walking around with a toothbrush all the time. Have you thought about that? Well, I mean, you can. I mean, it'll, I guess you'll look clean. Maybe you should think, try a toothpick. I think you're going to go into business meetings and realize you can't just have a, a toothbrush hanging out of your face. It's hip, though. It's like, isn't it? I think it works down here because it looks like you're on your way to brush your teeth. Okay. I think if you try to do that in a conference room full of people, that's it, you're going to look in like... In life, probably not so much. Yeah, you're going to look like an infant. <laughs> um, have you thought about the toothpick? Uh, Yeah, but I just grab whatever and stick it in my mouth like a pen... I just did this because I kept on putting the pin in my mouth. All right. Well, what if I got you some toothpicks? Then I'd put toothpicks in my okay. mouth until my gums bleed. Okay, well, you don't have to... <laughs> you don't have to jab them into yeah. your gum line. <laughs> Something that he paid. <laughs> wow, you're weird. Okay, um, I'll cut you slack, though, because you're nicotine-deprived. Okay, so this last weekend, uh-huh. you did this audition. Okay, now, please to describe this group that you were auditioning for. What What is this group? What it's do they called do? Lips Cabaret up in Vancouver at North Bank. Mm-hmm. And Lips they, Cabaret? Uh-huh. Two Ps? Uh-huh. L-I-P-Z Cabaret. Is it next to a place called Scamps? Like Lips. Lips. Uh, scandals. All right. Uh, all right. Lips Cabaret, and this is a, a drag queen review? Yeah. Male uh, Males dresses females in a review? Yeah, they do. They go on tour, and they do a lot of charity events and stuff like that. Okay. And so you were auditioning, though, to be a drag queen comedian. No, that was just going to be the initial start of my act that I believe that I want to do. Okay, so what was the... Okay, what did your audition consist... What time did you go there, first of all? 10 o'clock. In, in, in Vancouver? Uh-huh. Uh, well, and they yeah. did your makeup at the beginning right when you got there? No, first we did uh, outfits, and I got in the, probably about 15 different outfits. All right, well, let's back up. You wake up at your house, what time? 8.30. Okay, and then... Where did you go from there? I went up to Taboo Video. Okay, uh, because they are sort of assisting you with this transformation. Yeah. Uh, and so they did your they did your your makeup and your outfits there. No, we did just costumes. We were looking around trying to find the right costume for the audition. Yeah, we're doing a documentary on it. Right. So I was picking out the different costumes and then I was trying them on and they were right. filming it. And then what costumes did you try on and not use? Uh, I did one that's like an Adam and Eve with fig leaves. Leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you? And, and like I had Adam a boa. Or the Eve? Like a real boa, like a snake. Were you Eve or Adam? 
I was. Well, you must have been Eve if it's a cross-dresser. Well, I was Adam. You had a live trying to be snake Eve, there? Trying to be Eve. No, it was a blow Like up. a costume. Like it was a inflatable. Blow up. Okay, so you tried an Adam and Eve costume. What, what other costumes did you try and not go with? Uh, I was an angel and a devil and um, a tutu. You know what the tutu is? Yes. You were a tutu? <laughs> well, I wasn't a tutu, but... Like one of the what ri- kind of people were tutus? Like one, like one of the uh, rhinoceri from uh, from Fantasia. All right. Uh, so what costume did you end up going with? With the elegant um, dance gown. All right. Because keep in mind, I haven't seen any of these photos yet. Although and I, I have them over here. Do you want to come over and look at them oh, together, or do you want to just go to his page? I'll, uh, I'll 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 just go to his page here in a second. Uh, and so they did your makeup as well. Uh huh. Okay. Then when we went, well, we, after we tried on the outfits, I figured out which one I liked. Right. And which then, one did you end up with? Is, is it the pink dress? Uh, it was the purplish kind of. And one. what is it? MySpace.com slash what? Uh, Richie Radio. Richie Radio right. underscore com. Okay, underscore what? Hey, underscore underscores. com. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right. Okay, so okay, so you get to the place. What time in Vancouver? Three. So you get there at three. So Have you just, been being outfitted and making for made five, hours, five hours? I'm in high heels, and that's why my butt and my my. So you started getting somewhere. dressed at ten. You get there at three. Yeah. Okay. So they do the makeup and everything there too. So you were all ready to go at no. three. No, then we started doing, uh, talking about, you know, they were asking what kind of hair I wanted, what I wanted to look, what kind of sound. So the I people at the, the people at the cabaret are, themselves are asking you what you want to look like. Yeah, they we're, we're going through the different things yeah. like, uh, you know, what do I want to sing, what kind of act All right. do I want to do. And, okay, so what time did you actually start your audition? Uh, after we did makeup and then I was on stage and we were right. filming and basically, um, that was it. I didn't do any singing or nothing like that. All right, so we'll see. I gotta go back. Audition. Wait, so you didn't actually audition? No, they decided to say, "Let's do this." <laughs> they said, "Now you can come and practice." So I'm so, so confused. Okay, so I don't understand. You, what happened when you you're in your heels, you're in your makeup, you stand on that stage, you open your mouth, what comes out? Me, nothing. Oh, I do this, and um, Richie, by the way, just did the Y from YMCA, <laughs> and I'm doing uh, their. Taking you pictures. Keep saying, hello, in other words, you didn't have to. You didn't enough. have to demonstrate any kind of skill at anything. I said hello, and they said you sound like Ethel Merlin. And I said, okay, let's pick that. And then, but you didn't sing. No, you didn't play a song. No, you didn't dance. No, they just you, asked you me just questions. Said hello? Just your beauty and your saying hello was enough yeah. for them to pick you. Yeah, I guess so. Wait, so now you, do you have to audition again, or are you in? I'm in. We're doing a show uh, December 13th. What are you doing? What are you doing, though? What will you be doing in the show? What will I be doing? Yes. Singing, dancing. So let me just say, they, they hired you to sing and dance in this drag cabaret thing without ever seeing you dance or hearing you sing? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think that was a mistake on their part? No offense. Are they hiring you? Like, are they paying you? No. I mean, do- is it just for your looks? No, it's, we're doing it for charity. I, I know, but I... Church. Please, uh, no offense. I'm just saying, like, what, like... Why it doesn't make any sense that they would get you to sing and dance if they don't know that you can do either of those things? Maybe I pulled it off. I don't know. But what did you do? Uh, just all right. I have to go to your web to your MySpace page. Yeah, but this doesn't make any sense. That would well, be like click on them one by one. So click on the first one without really looking. Don't re- look at any of the other. Right, I'm going to his MySpace page right now. It's uh, the first album. So, but that doesn't make any sense. That would be like me auditioning for Cats and me just standing on the stage and I'm going, "No, you're in," and like without having to sing. I was or pretty dance. enough. I was sexy enough. 
Uh, all right, we'll find out. Um, <laughs> they hired you just surely based on stage well, presence. We spent five hours. Physical thing, Sarah. They spent five hours. They did my jewelry and different stuff. But okay, we, so the people that you were auditioning for were in the makeup room with you and stuff the whole time. They were at Taboo with me, ch- helping me change and stuff for five I'm hours. I'm so confused. So all we right. conversated five hours before we even went over to the conversation. So. All right, uh, so well, we're clicking on your photo on here. Yeah, click on the first one. Boy, this, uh, this web is just going very right, slow. Here he is uh, getting his makeup did. All right, hold on. Let me opening. It's the first. Uh, it's the Rochelle photo album. Yes. All right. Wow. Hey, don't let your eyes on focus. Don't look at him yet. All, all right, right. What am I looking at? The, look first, at the first one. one. Yeah. All right. Um, opening the first one here. You can see these, by the way. It's uh, myspacecom slash Richie with the T. Richie Radio underscore com. myspacecom slash Richie Radio underscore com. Uh, boy, could this possibly go slower? All right, so this is you getting your makeup done. Uh-huh, we did a fast one. Or, or as you put it, getting my makeup did. Two comma, comma. <laughs> with two commas after that. All right, a lot of rouge <laughs> there. All right. There's a lot of rouge. I see and like I false eyelashes. It's kind of like an Asian divine. They glue those false mm-hmm. eyelashes on you, and right. I'm pulling junk out right. of my eyes. I'm, for... I'm in photo two, which is like a sepia tone thing, but you've got blue eyeshadow and... and like salmon-colored lips. I have to say, you're kind of creepy. Not because you're in, in makeup. Don't get me wrong. You have this weird dead-eyed serial killer look. Oh, no yeah. offense. I look really, like I mean, Silence of the Lamb kind of dude. Not even that. You look like clown eyes. Like you look kind of yeah. like a, a female clown, maybe. This is this is a really creepy photo, Richie. This is really unnerving. <laughs> like my beauty mark. <laughs> is that natural, or did you put that on? We put you that applied on. that, so I look like Cindy Crawford a little bit. Yes, you look exactly like. Don't you... I? I mean, look at my you... lips there, though. Do you agree with me that the second photo of Richie is really it's unnerving? unnerving? It's unnerving. I keep looking at it, and it does look like. This is the look. Okay, when when you look at the second photo of Richie in his Rochelle album, this photo right here, this is the last face you see while his accomplice sneaks up behind you with a piano wire that's, and is choking you. I was so thinking, I'm like, that's the last face <laughs> yeah. that you see. This is the last thing you see while his pal chokes the life out of you uh, with 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 a rope. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> ah, don't ever do that. All right, this like, is next to the third one. This is Richie. Is that a wig? Yeah. Richie oh, man, that's a bad rug. Winking while looking through a wand with a star on the end of it, dressed but it has a hole in it, so with devil horns and a halo. Uh-huh. You look like Buddy Hackett. I'm an evil angel. All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Okay, this next photograph is Richie. You really do have arms like hams, man. There's no getting around that. <laughs> Salamis, as Tim Dude, would say. Dude, these are like, you have like full-on like bodybuilder arms, it looks like, because the rest of you is crammed in into this. In the face picture? Uh, yeah, it's where he's doing the home alone. Uh-huh. Or oh. as Richie it called like it. trying to swallow something really big. Oh, hey. No, it doesn't. <laughs> is, this what, is this what you called the, you're a homo alone pose? <laughs> So this is Richie doing the Macaulay Culkin, hands to his cheeks, oh no, but with a wig and a purple dress. Look at the jewelry. It's impressive. And I got a pendant. Um, I have to say, if you're uh, Wire fans out there, uh, season four Wire fans, you look a lot like Naaman's mother, who's always demanding he go out on the corner and start selling that package. Honestly, this dress makes you look really thin. This is a, I suppose. It's weird, but look how he's like bigger at the top and then he goes down to like nothing. Are you wearing a corset? No, not yet. That's it. That's it. This is this is just weird. It's not even bad. It's just strange. Surreal. All right, and final is photograph that the stage, here. Richie, with the the gold thing yeah. hanging down. All right, I'm looking, waiting for the final photograph. Oh, I guess we're back at the beginning. So, all right. We took a lot. <sighs> okay. So Hold this is really back. the cream of the photos here. Yeah. All right. You can see this at myspace.com/slash/richieradio_com. All right. That's uh, 
Yeah, that's nutty. Okay, so when when do you start rehearsing? Uh, son, well, I won't say what day, but when will soon. you be? What and what will you Every be singing? Week. What will you be singing? That I've been looking through songs. And and you I, get to pick your own songs? No, he gave me a couple names of. I mean, I've been looking at Patsy Cline and um, Ethel Merman. You'll be swell. You'll oh, be yeah. great. Are you just going for Ethel Merman? All right. You said you sounded like her. Yeah. Did they give you options? No, that's part of working out, figuring out. What I'm right now, what I'm doing is I'm I guess what, here's what I'm coming down to: is who are you? Is it up to you? Do you get to pick your own song? Uh, I'm pretty sure I do, but I need guidance. Guidance in that sense, I'll do try my best, and then they'll say maybe uh, you'd be better off. Because here's the thing: this. is it really when you need guidance, you need no, you need go no further than here than this than this room, Richard. Oh, uh, uh, so I think I speak for all of us. Well, I, I mean, I like I wrote a song even, and I don't. I, Did you write a song? Yeah. Do Why do you not tell us these song? things? Well, I can't sing. I can't can you, even put the words on the yourself? air. All right. Uh, all right. We, we have to break. But um, okay. So as this goes forward, we uh, here and the audience, we're going to help. We're going to find a song for you to sing. We're going to pick the perfect song for you to sing at your drag cabaret show. Okay. All right. Not that I don't call about this now. Don't call about it. Now. We're going to wait and do this tomorrow. Tomorrow we will start finding the perfect song for you to sing for Rochelle to sing. Okay. All right. What is it? Just real quickly as we break here. Give me just a little something in Rochelle's singing voice. What what should Rochelle sing? Just a little line. Like sing, um, you are my sunshine. Oh, as Rochelle, just, you know that song, just do a couple lines here as Rochelle. Uh, you don't know that song. Like, what's the song that you know? Really? What's a sort of happy? What's a sort of happy show tune type song you could sing a couple uh, lines? I don't from? know. Uh, uh, the show must go on. No. What is it? But I mean, you you must know something. A song from a movie. <laughs> I have no idea how you got this gig. So let me be honest. Let me just put it out there. Did you it's for per, charity? Did you perform any kind of favor for the people who are making these decisions? And you know what I mean. Richie, why don't you no. sing? Why don't you sing the alphabet? A B C. <laughs> now I know my ABCs. I can do it. Hello. Yeah, we're breaking like now. We'll come back. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I love you. Stop. <laughs> Having asked you to sing, I now rescind the request. Easy. Don't do that. Okay. Back after this with That's Tim Riley. Yeah. Wow. I need to go scrub myself. Uh, seriously. We work in the weirdest place, man. Back after this, Tim Riley around the corner. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. Like us at 3, Michael O'Meara Show at 7. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, Friday, Lisa Desjardins does her uh, top five teenage moping songs. Did I read this thing about Marsha Brady being a co-core? Yes. Yes, Yes, you guys have all read it several times. <laughs> Again tomorrow. Uh, let's see. Inmate too fat to die. All right. With uh, phone calls here in a moment. Uh, Tim Riley joining us uh, for another round of exciting news stories in just a moment. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, uh, so, as far as Richie's audition goes, it was established that he didn't have to sing and dance and that there was no sort of casting couch untoward activity. Well, I don't know that we've established that. He didn't flat out deny it. Well, at least that seems to be the theory. So that would lead me to believe that uh, he had them at Hero. All right. I'm going to let that slide, but just, just barely. All right. My All other right. observation. All right. Thanks. I'll, the judges will allow that, but that was... That's the one. We'll, we'll allow that that's once one. today. All right. 
Ah, Jesus. Uh, this email says, uh, let's see, this is about Richie. It says, Rick, it seems that Richie's audition consisted of getting hired based on being willing to dress up. No singing, no acting, no musical instruments, no live lewd acts. I imagine the interview went something like this. Will you put on a dress and get on stage? Hello? Yes? You're hired. Next. Uh, he says, on a side note, if this were the 1980s, Richie could have totally gotten a bit part on a sitcom where his whole thing was just to pop into a room or around a doorway and say, hello, instant classic catchphrase. That totally is true. I want to hear Richie sing like 30 seconds of a song. See, but I'm wondering if it's like a stage fright We've got to help him battle through it then. Because he's just going to humiliate himself in front of all the people because we are all going to know when he's going to do it. Well, as long as we're there to see said humiliation. But do you get that sense that he's willing to do it on stage in front of like a thousand people, but here in the studio he's embarrassed? That's kind of the sense I was getting. He had that nervous... to promote a a feeling of community, though. I don't want him to be embarrassed in front of us. He had that nervous giggle going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think he needs to be like up and like doing his full flamboyant thing in front of a huge crowd. I think here he was... He was uh, feeling a little, uh, uh, yeah, a little, little embarrassed by it, which is strange when you consider the number of things that come out of that guy's mouth on a daily basis. So, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. An evangelical minister stirred up a crowd with a deeply partisan prayer in Iowa. At a rally for Republican presidential candidate John McCain, the Reverend Arnold Conrad made an appeal to God on behalf of the uh, GOP, to win. In his invocation, the former pastor of Grace Evangelical Free Church said non-Christians are praying to their gods for Democratic uh, candidate Barack Obama to defeat John McCain, and that is something that they will not tolerate. Let me see if I can find the right one here. Oh, here we go. There are millions of people around this world praying to their god, whether it's Hindu, Buddha, Allah, that his opponent wins. The Reverend tells God an Obama victory would ruin his reputation. I pray that you would guard your own reputation because they're going to think that their God is bigger than you. Wait, does this mean that, uh, does this mean that when Obama wins, we can totally call this guy yeah. uh, and just uh, you know give him what for? Give him yeah, a little trash talk? The, uh, yeah, the Reverend uh, Conrad. We can, call him, Putt, Iowa. we can lord it over him, Tim. Mm-hmm. Lord it over him. Whatever. Say, here's a great idea. Why not sell beer at Six Flags in Texas? <laughs> and what guns. Could possibly happen? Sell guns, too, and bags of glass. Uh, Chris Jordan says he sees nothing wrong with approving this application. If they brought beer to Six Flags, you'd get more of an adult crowd there instead of little kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to make the boom hour joke. That guy's so much better. Can you play that one more time? Sure. Sarah Palin needs to get him. If they brought beer to Six Flags, you'd get more of an adult crowd there instead of little kids running around. That's great. That's uh, 12-year-old Christy Campbell does see problems in this. If you have people throwing up everywhere, that not a whole bunch of other people are going to come. What? Whatever. It's Texas. <laughs> you sounded like uh, Jack Nicholson. Forget it, Jake. If they it's brought Texas. beer to Six Flags, you'd get more of an adult crowd there instead of little kids running around. Dang, old man. All right. That's great. Dancing with the Stars, Judge Carrie Ann Ameba says she likes Paul Abdul, but she apparently doesn't like to be compared to her. During a telecast, Ameba had a hard time finding the right way to use the word shine in the past tense while giving a critique to contender Lance Bass. Her vocal confusion prompted Judge Bruno Tanani to tease her by calling her Paul Abdul, which brought Ameba to her feet while host Tom Bergeron tried to keep the peace. Well, uh, well, I, I, 
You did not call me Paula. <laughs> okay, come on. I, you know, I love Paula, but I'm a little different than Paula. If they brought beer to Six Spice, you'd get more of an adult crowd there instead of little kids running around. Well, okay. Uh, Ringo Starr says, uh, quit sending him mail. He's not going to answer it anymore. I'm warning you with peace and love, but I have too much to do. So no more fan mail. Thank you, thank you. And no objects to be signed. Nothing. Uh, anyway, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> he actually, by the way, if you listen to the whole thing, it's on his website. He actually said the cutoff date is October 20th. So if you want anything signed, you got to do it by then. He actually says at one point, look, if anything is postmarked after October 20th, it's going in the rubbish. Which is sort of great. Jeez. I mean, well, what is he busy doing? Uh, to be fair, I mean, he's, you know, living his life, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, and he this does presume, I think he's been signing stuff for like 40 years. Don't you get the sense that he's like, I've had it, sold it, I'm done. So he's always apparently been very gracious. But I guess he's reached a point where, like, you know, it's closer to the end than the beginning. So he wants to make the most of the time he has left. Isn't that right, Tim? That's correct, yes. All right. Tim, this is just for you. Uh, do you have anything else before we do the uh, greatest songs ever? Well, I, I do want to compliment our airport as being the best that I've ever flown into or out of. I mean, they have... Free internet everywhere at LAX. You have to pay for it, and you have to look around the airport for the two wall sockets that work. <laughs> I uh, I will say that at uh, PDX, one of the great things is there are wall sockets everywhere, and so when you're at the gate or the terminal or whatever the hell it is, uh, and you're you're waiting for um you know waiting for your plane, you can sit there, you plug in your BlackBerry, your MP3 player, and I totally I will sit there and I will answer mail and listen to music yep. and not drain my battery because I'm plugged into a wall while I'm sitting there waiting for the plane. And there are only two working wall sockets in all of PDX. I mean, LAX. Yeah. Now, in PDX, and they, plus we have that uh, that law here where you can't be charging more for stuff at the airport than you would at a normal no, business. Oh, they do there. Oh, yeah, no, in Utah, They try to screw me on the rented car, too, but I got them. Good. I'm Sound charging this other... Um, oh, let me tell you. They try to throw all this stuff... A charger. Look, I have American Express. They said I'm covered. Leave me alone. It's 1130 at night. I don't feel like being <laughs> out of soul or something. But... But you're driving a, a car that's a sneaker on wheels. I want a sneaker on wheels. Nobody knows who I am here. What do I care? Who, who are you trying to impress, Tim? Yep. All right. So we, they threw in the, the free GPS, which is always good. You know, they do that. They do the same thing at uh, at the Utah airport, at the you know, Salt Lake airport, because they know that you hate it there. I mean, that's the thing in Utah. Even people who live there, they hate it there. You know, do you like living in Utah? Well, what can you do? You know, they all did. Everybody's just so down. Mm. So when they, man, they nail Lara every time because she spends like two weeks with her Lovely family in Orem. But then she goes to the airport, and, uh, sorry if they're listening, she goes to the airport, first thing she's got to do is drink. Man, they, they, the people who are leaving Utah to go somewhere else, like nine times out of ten, it's because they've been there visiting friends or family, and, you know, who probably aren't the drinking type. And so, man, you go to the airport and, give me a shot, you know, all right, that'll be $12. Okay, whatever. Fill her up, you know, and, the, and they completely screw you on the alcohol there because they know that people have probably spent about 10 days not being able to booze at all. All right. All right, Tim Riley, this one is for you. It's time for another exciting installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made, Tim Riley edition. Oh. I'm Rick Emerson, and these are The Greatest Songs Ever Made. There are few things more desired yet more intangible than the essence of cool. Men strive for it, women swoon for it, and those who have it make it seem very effortless. For that's an irremovable part of the cool equation. You don't want to look like you're working at it. In 1957, three California kids just out of college formed a group named after the capital of Jamaica. Dave Gard, 
Bob Shane and Nick Reynolds, the Kingston Trio, modeled themselves on bands like The Weavers and were discovered shortly thereafter, eventually securing a deal with Capitol Records. Success came fast, easy, and in unprecedented amounts. At one point, the Kingston Trio had four albums in the top ten at the same time, a record unrivaled for nearly four decades. These albums brought mainstream hits such as Tom Dooley and Greenback Dollar, each a slice of Americana and each resonating with a public hungry for a kind of folksy authenticity. Just as authentic, though, was the differently styled song that became a signature. While at the home of baseball player Tom Seaver, two of the trio heard Seaver's parents playing a song on the piano. It was a song they, in turn, had heard on their honeymoon years before. Released as a Kingston Trio single in 1962, the track became an instant classic and to this day remains a benchmark for unhurried, easy sophistication. Though in a final twist of mystique, the identity of the song's composer has never been discovered. As we revel in the smoke-laden glory that is Mad Men Season 2, it's worth asking... What were Don Draper and his associates listening to as they whiled away the evening with cocktails and cool? In 1962, there was only one answer. One of the greatest songs ever made. This is the Kingston Trio and Scotch and Soda. Scotch and Soda Mud in your eye Baby, do I feel high Oh, me, oh, my Do I feel high Dry martini Jigger of gin Oh, what a spell you've got me in Oh, my do I feel high? People won't believe me They'll think that I'm just bragging But I could feel the way I do And still be on the wagon All I need is of your smiles, sudden shine of your eye, oh me, oh my, do I feel higher than a kite can fly, give me loving, baby, I feel high, oh, people won't believe They'll think that I'm just bragging But I could feel the way I do And still be on the wagon All I need is one of your smiles Sunshine of your eyes, oh me, oh my Do I feel higher than a kite can fly Give me loving, baby, I feel high
doesn't make any sense. Well, you have to find it. Uh, hello. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. Especially sad because I can't find my showgirls uh, clip. And you know what? We just played it. We just played it, I think, on Friday. Oh, here we go. Oh, I have it. Have I ruined the moment? No, 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 no. You want to go back and pretend like we're coming out of the break again? Yes. All right, everybody, we're going to fix this in post. What so, was wrong with the first time? I wasn't listening. What? What happened the first time? First time of what? Oh, I thought something went wrong. No, 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 we're coming out of a break right now. Coming up at 3, it's the Tom Likas Show. Now back to Rick Emerson, only on AM 970, The Talker. Hey. Oh, wait a minute. Listen. Just listen. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. Look, I've seen a lot of dancers. I studied in New York. Alvin Ailey. You burn when you dance. You said I couldn't. Oh, you gotta hold some of it in. You got some to learn dancing. What's that? More wisdom? I know that. Well, it ain't right. You got too much talent for it to be right. Get out of here! Yeah. Okay. Girls! Right up to the ceiling. Yeah? Right. This is Nomi. Hey. Okay. Nikki, Julie, Dina, and you know Gay. How you doing? They'll run you through it once. You just watch, and then we'll blend you in. Okay, music! Go! Thank you, ladies. How did she do? She's no butterfly. Tony, she's all pelvic thrust. I mean, she prowls. She's got it. I wonder how she got it. Well, she certainly didn't learn it. She learned it all right, but they don't teach it in any class. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. She's all pelvic thrust. I am so excited to watch that movie today. That's what we ever... By the way, that moment when Elizabeth Berkeley goes, Get out of here! is totally... It, it completely sounds like the weird... Get back up off me, man! Back up off me! For the, uh, the fat video. Jesus. All right, a little showgirls there. That's for, uh, that's for Richie Bristol. As he becomes a woman. <sighs> that was the strangest phrase, but it's very true. Yeah. Well, you know, the weird thing is, is like... I mean, I know we, we talked about this earlier, but that Richie didn't have to actually audition it anyway. So do you suppose the guy who's doing the casting for this just had, is taking a little fancy to him? You know what I mean? Is, uh, it sounds like it because a little crush he does on like he kind of buckles under the pressure a bit when it comes to performing. Yeah. So, you know, we have to go. We have to actually go see him when he oh, does Oh, yeah. This. We have to go see him practice it. No. He needs to learn how to get over a stage fright with us. Yeah. We can all... Well, if he doesn't pick a song, we should just tell Richie, if he doesn't pick a song to do in this drag review of his, we're just going to assign him a song. That's it. We should just give him a deadline. I want him to sing Purple Rain. I can see that. Uh, you know, so, I mean, if he, does, you know, if he doesn't find a song on his own, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we will select one for him. All right, don't forget, by the way, tomorrow at 6 p.m., we're going to be carrying the final presidential debate. Running commentary for myself, Tim Riley, and Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Steve Kastenbaum today, as well as Nina Parker from TMZ. Join us tomorrow, where our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and Peter Carlin. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970, the talker in the newsroom. Tim Riley, we're so glad you're back, Tim. I'm pleased to be back. Uh, on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donaff with me, Reynolds, like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7, see all 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. What's up for snakes? Bye now.
I, she's a woman, and I'm a woman, and um, I had five children. She has five. She's a typical white person. <laughs>